Right, this is going to be the first episode of a new show called Banter Give and Go, as the title suggests. And basically, this cha- this particular show, I'll just initially break down the name and you'll get a sense of what the show's going to be like then. So obviously, me and Maui's original podcast is Snake and Banter. It still exists on the last Free Nation CSGO channel. Just at the moment, we tend to delay a little bit to make sure the guests are all great, etc. We don't spam it like we used to back in the day. So since like Snake and Banter was our brand there, I thought, right, I'll try and make Banter work here because spoil all my shows are going to have that anyway. And then obviously, you want to have a name tied to basketball since it's going to be an NBA show. But all the, all the classic ones are gone. You can imagine hardcore, hardwood, like, you know, even stuff like pick and roll, the stuff. So what I realized is, if you don't know, essentially pick and roll, another name for it is a give and go. And give and go is one of the most fundamental players in the history of basketball. And spoiler, it doesn't matter what they do to the rules in the game. It will always exist. Essentially, a give and go is the equivalent of trade fragging in CSGO, if you want the analogy. It will always be the fundamental aspect. If you're the best at that, spoiler, that's the reason Heroic's the number one team in the world. It has nothing to do with KD being a genius or Stown doing it. They're just, they're the best at trade fragging. That's the fundamental way you play the game. And if you do that, crucially, you can beat better teams with more skill. And if you don't know in basketball, if you have players who can play like that, play off the ball, play with the ball, do a two-man game, it will always be an amazing way to play. But since this is a Thorin show, obviously it isn't, there's no season right now, is there? We just finished the season. So we're not going to do it like every week, like trade rumours or like, here's the day's scores. Like, you know, the Grizzlies beat the Bucks. Can you believe it? Like, that's that's <laughs> for the birds. And quite frankly, there are one million podcasts do that. So I want instead to do it like, like I do all my other shows. We just have great topics about whatever's interesting. So we thought for the first one, why don't we put our, hand, our sort of cards on the table? Why don't we let you know what we think of NBA history, who our GOAT is, who our favourite players are, the roles. I'm sure there's plenty of things we can talk around. So the first one will be a bit of a meta discussion. And essentially, the premise initially is, is me and Maui. We might have guests. We might have guests. We'll see. But I like to start out with, you just start with the core and you build out from there. So Maui, let's just start at the most basic initial place of all. Now to everyone else is a one sentence answer, but spoiler, you know me, just go watch that Elite versus Twists thing. It's always more complicated when it comes to me, like many things in life. So you have to understand, if you talk about like, the GOAT, there's more than just a name. So, But who is your GOAT? Who is your GOAT of basketball? It's almost, it is sacrilegious to approach the NBA space and not say that the GOAT is, is Michael Jordan if you have most common sensibilities. But I think that they're can be cases depending on what you value for a couple other people i would say that if you really want to go with individual peak you might choose someone like wilt if you want to go for the most winningest player you would go for someone like russell but i'm going to stick with the tried and tested michael jordan not even just because other people see him as that but i i kind of value a couple things and i think that when we had our discussion about Elise versus twist i started to reevaluate my criteria for what okay. makes someone the greatest of all time and i would say that when you brought to the discussion there that peak was more important than longevity i'd say why not both because michael had had multiple peaks uh he was uh, incredibly talented for many of the years during his championship run like there were so many various accomplishments that he was able to to find during that time that you could look at probably at least three different years where he was just at the absolute apex of his powers and in those seasons there was no one truly in the modern nba that has come close to that i was looking at some of his um what some of his playoff numbers and the way that he was averaging 
just like above 30 for so many different playoff runs was just so ridiculous when you compare that to even modern players in a, in a league where we're currently seeing just such high usage rate out of the all-stars and for michael to be doing that 30 years ago is where it is uh he's just otherworldly and he is transcendent i would say that also something that i latch on to because simply put I can't necessarily go back in time, view him as a contemporaneous viewer and try to see like, I mean, I was, I wasn't there, you know, I wasn't there when it was happening because I was in single digit ages when he was taking over the world as a cultural phenom. So, but just kind of the, the remnants of that and where Michael has left so much impact in the space is another thing where you look at some of the other stars, even like, let's say, you know, LeBron, uh, who many people would want to compare to him and LeBron just doesn't have even that same sort of recognition where it, it felt like Michael Jordan was a top five celebrity on the planet when he was playing that well. Whereas today, I think you would probably consider a handful <clears throat> of music stars above LeBron. You would probably consider a couple actors above LeBron, actresses for that matter, too. And uh, that's that to me, all encompassing is kind of is why Jordan is the goat. And yes, I'm using external factors to beyond just even play at that point. But I would say that his play also suffices it's just that there is this additional supplementary work these extracurriculars that jordan did on top of it that to me make him the all-timer so i'll do it my usual way spoiler i am at the end gonna say michael jordan's the goat like because what what it's a bit like the thing about simple being the goat in csgo oh don't worry yeah loads of fans are morons when they say it's because they're just going off something else like but the hltb right oh like but look at the he won the major like you know what like those are those are like the side reasons or like things that are like circumstantial evidence but the point is with simple it's like i always say it's like mate take the nameplates off just go watch them play like I think any expert will watch Simple Play CSGO and go, even if I don't like him, I have to say he's the best. Look how fucking cracked out this is. It's the same with Michael Jordan. If you watch, it's just impossible to be that dominant. And if people don't know, a key context to his career is nobody, this was never a thing, nobody was ever the hard carry player winning championships from the shooting guard position alone. Like, if you did that, you could be the best. Like, Jerry West was an amazing shooting guard. But he had, like, amazing, like, small forward center when he had Wilt. Like, he had some amazing other pieces. Like, not only did this guy hard carry, he hard carried from a position where, think of the name, shooting guard. Like, the problem with shooting is, if you're not actually the absolute best ever, Steph Curry even has this problem. If you just miss shots, the game's over. Like, you don't have an extra way to score. I even think, by the way, that's the thing, LeBron, the way he went out of this playoffs is a summary of why I've never seen him as a true GOAT. It's like, mate, he just tried to force his way to the basket, hoping he'd get a bailout call. He didn't have any mid-range game. He couldn't, like, stop when the defender's there and pull back and do a two-punch. That's just not his way. So, to me, when I make the list, I'm going to, at the end, come Michael Jordan, but I'll lay it out. Like, I think, like I say with everything, you've always got to lay the people who can be initially in the convo, and then you eliminate them. Some of them eliminate quickly. Some of them take you longer. So, if I put my list, I would put, essentially, pretty much a list like yours. I would have Jordan, Kobe, Larry Bird, Kareem, Wilt, and then I would probably just put LeBron on because I agree, like, if you look at raw stats and longevity, he initially gets in. Personally, I don't put Magic for reasons I'll get to in a minute. Spoiler, he played with Kareem up till tomorrow, but there's that. So when I go to, and also, this is going to be a bias, man, you'll notice from the names I've put. One thing I do actually think, you know how in CSGO, it's actually a controversial take, but no one ever picks up on this one. They just sort of let it go by. You know, I always say for me, the king stat is kills per round. You can't fake the funk on that one. Like, it's why I even know Blame F has to be better than people say. 
Because at the end of the day, you can't bait and even get that many kills. It doesn't exist in the game. You have to actually, like, even if you think he mega baits, he also must be really fucking good at killing people. So when you see people with, like, the 0.8 KPR and they're not playing at tier 2 or nobody's, they are fucking unbelievable. They are, like, that player alone, you can disagree with every other aspect of their game, but the most fundamental thing in Counter-Strike is shooting people and killing them. And in basketball, the most fundamental thing is scoring baskets. So if you notice, one thing I have that makes me very different is the reason reason why, for example, Magic didn't get there is because Magic's biggest strength isn't the scoring. He's actually an underrated scorer, but his biggest strength is make the team better. Make people, right? Notice what's implied within that. If you have a bad team, you cannot win if you have Magic Johnson. If you have a bad team and you have like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe or like, you could. It's not impossible. They could actually do what someone like Simple does and hard carry you to the win. You can't hard carry if you're actually like just the best point guard, basically. It's also why, low key, I actually think LeBron's overrated because they try to say that he's Magic Johnson and he's just passing and making everyone better. But then every fan of his tells me all of his teammates are worse than they used to be when they recruited them and that they're not giving him any help. It's like, well, bro... Who's making who on this? You know what I mean, bro? Like, it's the other way around with all the great point guards. Every other great point guard, you actually, that's the knock on their star even. It's like, but they had this guy feeding feed them all the time. So, in reality, if you actually look at LeBron, he's trying to be a star and a scorer. He just moves between it depending on his comfort level. And there's a reason why he scored all those points. And there's a reason why, spoiler, he doesn't average a triple-double every season. He's more like the seven, eight assists guy. So, to me, he's in between the two. And essentially, this will come back to something you pointed out, but it's one of my key aspects. You can't actually be the GOAT if someone said to me, you can pick any time in their career and it would go in one game or one series, who are you picking? If you're not seeing the same person that you say overall is the GOAT, then he's not the GOAT. Because essentially, if they could all exist in the same time period, the same understanding of the meta, and, the same meta, and that guy wouldn't actually win, then how is he the GOAT? You know what I mean? Like, Because essentially, longevity can trick you like that. You can get a player like people. This is why I don't have devices, my GOAT. Because the only time I ever thought he was the best in the world was like, Maybe for a while at the end of 2016, early 2017. Aside from that, I always had called Zera or fucking Simple or Zewu. I always had someone else as the GOAT. So essentially, unless I picked that one very short period of his career, it was mainly because other people were on a downturn or had the wrong team, he wouldn't win me the game. So logically, it has to be someone like Simple no matter what condition they're in. So it's the same thing with these players. Just being like top five for 10 years doesn't, doesn't cut it for me. Like... Essentially, if people are LeBron fans, already stop the cap. His prime ended ages ago. So if I go back in time, I'm probably taking like 2013 LeBron. I think that was the most cracked out one on the heat. It was really fucking good. Even had a post-up game then. It was even defending people then. It was even playing all the games then. That is a really good player. The problem is, it still wouldn't beat all the names on my list. So I'm taking LeBron off very quickly. Then for Wilt, I actually do think if you just only look at level of play, he's so fucking unbelievable. But if people don't know, because Wilt was in such a nation NBA, he actually himself limited his game. And you won't believe this, but he was the original star reading Reddit comments. What happened was when people said stuff to him, like, you just score too much. By the way, this is where I'll never be affected by comments, right? If someone says something like, you're just only doing your strength. It's like, yeah, try and stop me, motherfucker. Watch me keep doing it. No. So instead, he had that season where he just averaged the most assists. In yeah. a movie, that's awesome, Maui. But in reality, it's like, you only did that because they told you he couldn't do it. And then later in his career, when he joined the Lakers, with all these big names, Jerry West, Nelson Bill, they were like, oh, well, you just joined a team with like, you know, all these star players. Like, I bet your ego's too big. So then he stopped even scoring, bro. Then he was just like, oh, I'll just be defender and block. It's like, mate... 
every everyone got in your head. If you actually go back in time, I actually want you to be simple, bro. I would go back in the time and I'd tell young Wilt Chamberlain, don't let any of these motherfuckers tell you anything. Score every basket you can. And if he'd have done that, by the way, and played as long as he could, I actually think he would be the GOAT. He was the simple of, of basketball, people don't know. Nobody could match his numbers. And it wasn't even just to do with pace, by the way. Here's something people don't know. That season when he averaged 50... It's not like the other people are averaging 40, bro. They were all averaging like 30 and 26 and stuff like that. He just basically was the most like fucking guaranteed basket of all time, essentially. And because he had insane stamina, there's why no one else can do that. People don't know about this Maui. The reason why people like Kobe, who were just built like a normal NBA player, have to be in the gym all day is because, mate, your arms get tired if you shoot 30 shots. You can't do that. Like a normal, when, when we look at like modern stars and they do like, you know, fucking 18 shots a game, that's because that's like what even an athlete can stand. It's really hard to play defense, run up and down and fucking shoot all those shots. So to me, Wilt has to be on there for like play. But like I say, he sort of, because he couldn't know what was going to come later. There's another thing. Everyone else shadow boxed against him at the time. If people don't know, he was the top, he was the leading scorer, I think, when he retired. At the time he thought, well, that's, that's cool. I got my championship at the end. I switched up so they couldn't criticize me. And I'm the GOAT. I've got the most points. Problem solved. He couldn't know years later the rules get easier, three point shot, people see his record and go for it. So we'll take him out. We're down to four names now. Kareem, I actually do think is another one where if you just look at individual level of play, this guy's fucking bonkers. I do think that they overrate slightly. Here's what's hard about their championship side. He actually could have won loads of championships in the 70s when some of his teams were dodgy and he was like the MVP every bloody season. But then the ones he had later was when he did have the amazing team with Magic and all the Lakers. Like, that was like an all-star team if people don't know. It was fucking unbelievable. So the championship part's a bit over it, but he could have won more earlier. He is an insane player. Like, I'll give you a random piece that actually came from some fiction. If you saw that show, Winning Time, where they made that like TV series semi-fictional about the Lakers from the 80s, and it's the one of the 1980 season when Magic joins, they have a segment that was so genius where they have... Kareem just explain what it's like to be him, like the tallest player, with an amazing skill set and do that skyhook, which if people don't know, like it's amazing that like on occasion someone like Wilt Chamberlain could block that. Everyone else couldn't block it because his wingspan's so big. You're on his left. He goes like this with his right and throws it over his head. It goes in a massive, like really good arc, which also is an underrated thing about basketball. And it just goes in the net at like 60%. If people don't understand, essentially it's unguardable. He just could choose how much to score based on how good he was that game. And what they do is they have this bit where he explains to Magic Johnson what it was, what it's like to be him. And it's like about how when he jumps and they all jump, you know, the other player jumps with him. It's like he sort of like, it's like he like leaves the earth and then they're just down here. And he's just looking down at the basket. He's not even looking like shooting. He's looking down and he's just sort of like, you know, and then I'm just putting the ball in or whatever. And you're like, fuck when you think of it that way like mate yeah like essentially you were just running the game like you're just playing your own game almost a one a one versus zero game and everyone else on the court plays like a 5v4 game against the others and essentially it's just how you're feeling if you're if you're feeling it you score and you win that's why people don't know he was a finals MVP at like 36 years old or something in an era without sports tech and all that and so yeah there's another player I could easily see be the goal the problem is this with players like that this is another interesting thing about basketball. There's a degree to which, like, depending on the era of basketball, you can't always get your shot. People have to pass you the ball. They have to get you the entry pass. The thing about the the reason why the smaller players, like even that someone I didn't put on this, the reason why someone like Kevin Durant's OP is 
He can, you actually can't stop him doing what he wants to do. He can always like go around you, dribble, take a shot, do it contested. Like in a way, if you're picking one player, that's why Michael Jordan is OP as fuck. Michael Jordan's the only player you could put against any team, and I actually think he could. I won't say win because your team wins either game, but he could always get his. No one ever actually shut him down the way people think. Like actually, that's why if you shut him down a little bit, we're like fuck. You must be a goated defender. That's like that's how it works. So I'll take Kareem out because I just don't think overall I'll take it. So then I've got Jordan, Kobe, and Bird. Right, it's pretty simple on this one. I can go quicker here. Larry Bird's hella under it, if people don't know. Because actually, here's where people get it wrong. They're like, oh, he's, he had the game like magic. It's not, No, no, he had like the passing game like magic. He was a killer shooter. And yeah. by the way, I actually think he's the most clutch player ever. I've just seen too much, mate. Like, he's the guy who always get you a two-point or three-point basket if you need to win the game. And he's so insane. Those stories aren't a joke. And here's the little angle I'll give people. So look, this is a big rant. It's obviously the start of the show and you're getting the fucking, you're getting the, the download right now. The reason why Larry Bird has a million stories you'll have heard them that all go like this yeah then Bird just told me like before the ball came in like hey motherfucker I'm gonna go to this spot I'm gonna like you know pivot backwards I'm gonna hit two point in your face you can't do anything about it you're gonna think like that's like a movie again Thorin like in real life that'd be bad no because I can tell you what I actually learned about people like Michael Jordan Kobe but Half the time, these other guys do know, don't antagonize them. Don't fuck, take me on Twitter, don't yeah. fuck with me, because then you'll piss me off and I'll go look at it. So because people then even stop doing that, you just generate it yourself. You come up with some fucked up reason, like, you know what? This will make it like more challenging. I'll tell him where I'm going to go and do it. And then when you do it, it's like, right, yes, fuck. That's how you make even a regular season game. Like, you're going to be motivated to hit the shot when you've won X championships and all the MVPs. These guys actually psychologically are just on another level. They're not just playing basketball. They're playing like the fucking team. So Larry Bird was insane. His problem is obvious. Injuries mean he essentially had like an eight or nine year prime. Now, he was fucking sick. Again, if I'm taking the one player, he might be one of mine that I might pick. So we're down to two. Already, people are going to be rolling their eyes. How dare you have Kobe in that foot? How dare he even make the last two? But I've got a couple of angles for you. Because if you know one thing I'm amazing at, and I won't lie, I started to come up with these angles. You probably see it with Alexi B, mate. I'm like a fucking old master when I paint an Alexi B storyline. Y'all are all thinking, it's just simple, isn't it? It's like simple because no, there's the shading and the nuance and you have to understand the school of impressionism I was coming from and the romantic ideal because what I learned to do is you've got to come up with like fucking counter arguments. You've got to come up with counterintuitive arguments. You've got to do devil's advocate because obviously I can't show you the results from him, can I? I can't show you all the trophies, Maui. So instead I have to explain to you that the reason Alexi's good is because actually he never had a star open. In fact, who were even his star players in his career and what other pieces did he have and how many of them experienced? So I, I I do a th similar thing to Kobe. I don't do the whole he had five championships, right? The big thing with Kobe is this. I'm not exaggerating. I actually think he was the most skilled basketball player ever at the end of his career because the key thing is he had a lot of talent and then he developed it beyond, as far as I can tell, almost anyone. And even though people do that thing of like, but he was just doing what Michael Jordan did, then you don't know Michael Jordan's career because Michael Jordan himself, by the way, took loads of those moves from players in the 60s and the 70s. And then, spoiler, if you've actually watched Kobe Bryant in like the 24 era of his career, dude, he had loads of moves that weren't Michael Jordan moves. Like he took moves from Hakeem Olajuwon when he worked yeah, with him. Yeah. He took like post-up moves. He took like defensive yeah. moves from Gary Payton and players. Essentially... Him and Michael Jordan, the real secret isn't that one invent the moves. They were sponges. They just do whatever works. Whatever they can do with their body that works, they bring that into the game. And then there's a couple of angles on the Kobe one that people won't appreciate. One is when Kobe was like the dominant player and the star of the Lakers in the latter part of his career, that's when zone defense exists. 
Now, if you don't understand, guys, even though defend, even though like defensive rules are worse for the defenders, so you can absolutely get free fouls and free throws all day long. The worst thing about zone, you can go back and look. When they brought zone in, by the way, almost everyone complained. And the reason why was it just, in theory, is the counter to star players. Because if you can put three people around a star player, he can still shoot it, but he might even be a dickhead if he does it there. Like, he might be, like, actually taking a bad shot. If you can't, the old rules where Michael Jordan played is, it's called illegal defense. You, you can only have one player play him. And a guy can sort of cheat off, but he can't do it much. And he can't come and just stand next to him. You can't just have three people like that around them. It doesn't exist. So the thing is, it's not that I actually think it's like, uh, scoring was harder overall later. But zone defense just means that, like, you actually can't do what Michael Jordan did if you were Kobe Bryant. It doesn't exist in that era. So after you were about something like 23, that just didn't exist. There was no hand checking. There was no fucking illegal defense. And then here's an angle that no one knows. No one thinks of this because I always used to wonder there's a famous thing Kobe said to Michael Jordan he said that like I used to argue with him and we would argue about who was better and by the way Michael Jordan didn't just tell him like well obviously me shut the fuck up they would have an argument right but listen to the years they picked Jordan would pick 92 because that was still he still had his physical prime and he's obviously won at this time Kobe would pick 2003 the year he had that 40 point game streak and I was thinking what Dude, pick like 2008 or 2009, like, you know, when you won the championship or you were at your prime, the MVP. But I know why he picked 2003. Because after that, he had some injuries, right? So that was his physical peak. And here's the detail about 2003. People don't know that's fucking insane when you know this. When you know this, it's mental. That was the year where the reason Kobe had this 40-point streak of nine games in a row where he had 40 points is because Shaq came into the season with an injured toe and didn't get it fixed because he was like was just being an arsehole. And so he had to miss a load of these games. And so when they missed the game, it was like the green light for Kobe. He was, hey, you just shoot every time. This detail is insane. Sounds mega already to score nine nine games in a row, 40. And by the way, he did it on like good shooting percentage, like 50 plus percent, maybe even 60% at times. The insane detail is this. That era of basketball is the lowest scoring period in the history of the NBA. The average amount of points scored per game, are you ready, is like low 90s. Think about that for a second, guys. Low 90s for your team, and he scores 40 points every game he wants to with a, like a very good percentage for a shooting guard. That is actually like mad underrated, mate. That's insane. So the problem Kobe has, I'm going to eliminate him now, is this. A lot of these hypotheticals, or I'm taking an angle, like this angle's cool, or he wouldn't... The problem he has is, one, he never... When he played with Shaq, actually, they were like a 1A, 1B at certain years of their careers. But that's irrelevant. Like, there wasn't a 1A, 1B. Scotty Pippen was not 1B. He was 2. Right. He was 2, very clearly. And then also, like you're saying about the playoff scoring, Michael Jordan averaged 33 points over all six finals he played. He had to, no matter what, ball the fuck out, or you don't win those championships. So it's not that I don't... Like, essentially, I'm saying I think Kobe in some ways, was as good or better. But if you go by all the factors, it's why, at the end, it's Michael Jordan, by the way, because he's just the only one that has everything. He's the only one that has every aspect. I'd take him at his peak. I would take him... He's got enough longevity, like you say. He's got the fucking... Um, rings. He's got all the awards. He does play defense. There's nothing people ignore. He actually plays both sides of the floor. LeBron fucking has like 10 years off defense now, guys. I've been watching this motherfucker just watch them go. Dude, the thing that killed me inside was that shit argument that like, you know, when the Warriors were just stacked and then everyone's like, Durant isn't actually better. Like, the Warriors are just better. Like, then why doesn't LeBron guard Durant? You do know technically they play the same position, motherfuckers. If he's, oh, by the way, the guy from 2013 might have been able to. One, no one can guard Durant because he's seven feet and has point guard skills. He said that himself. He's right. 
No one can guard him. So I think LeBron, I'm just going to say this right now, I think he didn't want to look silly. I, don't, I think he didn't want to see those shots be hit in his face and then lose the game. So to me, at the end, it is Michael Jordan. Now, luckily, because I'm Thorin, it was a circuitous route. But you know what? You enjoyed the journey. I was showing you the sights and the sounds. I was telling you a little bit of the intro. And you, this animal over here, of course, the Wilt Chamberlainicus, you know. And it was all great, wasn't it? So there you go. Do you have any... I'm sure yeah, it's giving well, you some angles well, to just, come off. Yeah, go on. Well, just some other fun facts about the Kobe stuff is that I think that the way that it's been described before with with Kobe versus Michael Jordan is that Kobe's kind of the remix of MJ because MJ used to have this phrase that every single offseason he's going to add one more move to his repertoire. But what Kobe was doing was just beyond that. Like he would, I think when Kobe found out that Shane Battier was looking at some of his footage to try to defend him for the upcoming season, Kobe got a very similar video guy to Shane Battier's video guy and then say, break down my moves so that oh, I know how to change up my yeah, own moves yes. so that I could be ahead of him when, yes. when we actually play in the upcoming season. That's, genius. So, yeah, That's some so. anime level shit. That's what's sick about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When he goes, when he goes back into you know every off season, he was he was trying to chase Jordan's ghost, and that's what put the chip on his shoulder the yes. entire time. And so, I think it's actually incredibly fair to say that he was the most skilled player of all time because I think when you actually do t take into account footwork and when you take into account just entire repertoire, his his arsenal and how deep it was, his bag, his bag, as the kids say. Like, Dude, then, if you ever watch a highlight when he scores fifty points. This is the thing I need you to do if you're a casual fan. Watch someone like James Harden, and he'll do three moves, and he'll yes. score all his points. Yep. Kobe has had games where he scores 50, where I'm not joking. He's doing a different shot from a different point on the floor each time. It's almost like he was trying to do it, like, intentionally. Like, that's, you know, it's impossible. That's why, eye test, that's why when you bring up eye tests, it's so valuable, because when you actually look back at a lot of Jordan games, and, like, some of the highlights just feel so repetitive after a while. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, it's the same move again, yeah. same move again, same kind of pull-up, same pull-up. Yeah, and it's... It's, it's great. I mean, it's like it's consistent and it's also probably on in terms of efficiency. He was better than Kobe, but it's also yes. it's just that sometimes you kind of you just kind of see with Kobe and his evolution of what Jordan did that he just had more to offer. If Kobe were placed in Jordan's era, there's a debate there if he would have been as successful. But I mean, for my money and for honestly, in terms of what he was bringing to the table, he just built off of everything Jordan did. I'll also give you another detail. The reason why those two specifically, when you compare, this is also why overall Jordan has to be my goat, is because there's two aspects Michael Jordan has that people don't get this. Kobe Bryant's actual size and raw athleticism isn't as crazy as you think. There've been loads. Of, I think there's even players in his era. Like, by the way, people like LeBron, way more athletic. Someone like Carmelo Anthony's just way bigger. Kevin Durant has the size and the long arms. Like, these guys have all these physical advantages. So actually, like, Kobe had to max skill out. That was the one area... Essentially, work ethic and skill is the one thing he could max out. There's two things about Michael Jordan. One, this is not an exaggeration. And remember, he's a fucking shooting guard. He has the highest vertical in the history of the NBA. The vertical jump upwards, his goal's like, whatever, 47 inches or something, right? That's OP already. And he already did build this in his game. And then the second one is, it's not a joke. Michael Jordan has enormous hands, and that's why there's all those highlights where instead of like, you know, holding the ball here and moving it around between your legs, Jordan doesn't do that. He holds it like this. And there are real highlights where he like goes like this. The player, the defender runs out and because he's holding it like this, he doesn't have his hand around it like that. He's holding it. He just pulls it back and then does a shot. 
No one yeah. else can even do that. Like I said, she had like the hands of a center and like the Kawhi. fucking yeah. the jump of the greatest players ever. And then and then he also is a shooting guard with all the fucking bag and he worked on the mid-range game and he plays defense. Like, what more do you want him to do? Coach as well and make the hot dogs too. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> like, here's the funny thing. I can go against Jordan on certain things. Like, this is why you don't do rings, by the way. Because if you do rings, I'll start bringing up where well, you had Phil Jackson and the, the certain things about the area of the NBA. I mean, he won one of his championships on an expansion. You know, there's things he can do there. That's why body of work really Really is the best that you don't because no one can argue against it like they can't watch a, a highlight like you're talking about where he just blows past people whenever he wants does the fadeaway every time he wants you know he's always hitting 50 percent on the fadeaways and then at the end of it they can't go he isn't doing that so he is you know like what argument do you have now like the eye test is the king it just is the king boys when you even talk about people with similar physical attributes uh, i think the number one comparison to Kobe in his era is Vince Carter because it's just basically like they were the same height they were practically yeah. the same weight and Vince Carter was clearly more gifted athletically which is why he was oh, such a dunk contest in. hero yeah. but he wasn't I mean in terms of finesse and skill there's no comparison at all you don't yes. you don't even really open up that conversation no I'm with you that's why if, to me like I say it's my motto, but you can see why it's not just some I say. People think I just do this, Maui, like I say, for Corp. They think I just do it because it's like, well, Les Carrigan hasn't won the four majors. You've got to have like a bullshit angle. No, they actually, I always say this. It's like that famous like Aristotle quote, like wise men argue cases, fools decide them. The actual like concept of the conversation is the interesting part. The name you yeah. say at the end means nothing. Like, for example, say you agree Michael Jordan's the goal. Say I did pick, like, Larry Bird. Say we're not going off, like, whole career. We're going off one year, and I just decide Larry Bird would win, right? If we do that, if another person joins the convo, and then you go, well, who do you think's the goal? And we just did this whole thing here where we laid it all out, and he just goes, going to be Jordan. And he go, why? And he just goes, sick, any. You wouldn't go... This is a great conversation. Get out for him. I want to talk to this guy. Like, he's got nothing. He just said the fucking, the joke there. This is one thing that you'll be able to appreciate as an elitist. It's like when people like the things I like, like The Wire or early Game of Thrones, but then I find out they like it for the wrong reasons. I look down on them. That's who I am. That's who I am. Yeah, yeah, I look yeah, down yeah. on them, mate. I don't care that you said the same thing as me, mate. We're not getting the same thing out of it because at the end of the day, when I bail on Game of Thrones and you're still telling me like, The Battle of the Bastards was the best episode ever recorded. It's like, you, you make me sick. I'm going to go talk to a guy who doesn't even think Game of Thrones is good and thinks The Sopranos is good, you asshole. <laughs> Something that's more relevant to like my sphere is just when people like the same clothing brands, but then they just buy the wrong items from the from the collections. You're like, why did you buy? Like, yes, we're wearing the same brand, but you're not even you're not even recognizing what makes this brand unique or anything like that. What, what their ethos is. You're just buying a logo T-shirt. Good for you. Yes, absolutely. And also uh, to me, yeah. another thing about if you're doing like historical stuff, is I also I also do think as well that like because of the ring discussion, like there's two things because this happens in all modern day esports, people will notice as well, right? Because it becomes just stands and nut huggers battling each other. Like if you notice, so you'll see some of those accounts are retweet Maui Snake because they give like an interesting fact about Kobe or a clip or whatever. Oh, the rest of their tweets disgust me because the rest of their tweets are just why like the other players are moron and cretin and isn't even good at basketball. It's like Bro, like, like, I'll give you the best example. Like, the modern day example of where you don't have an eye test if you tell me this guy sucks is Carmelo Anthony, right? Look, he definitely had a bunch of playoffs where he was a bit of a choker. I do think that was the case. But secondly, most of his teams were far from loaded. 
The Nuggets teams he played on were mad scarce, mate. And then later, those Knicks teams, they're just badly managed teams, mate. None of these teams. Where's all his all-stars? Where's all his all-NBA teammates if he's such a bomb? Like, I agree, he did actually have some underwhelming playoffs. But if you want to talk like regular season, so most of your career, this guy's bag's fucking sick as well, mate. Again, physically mad intimidating and imposing. What he can do for such a big guy is ridiculous. Like, his fucking, all the jab steps and the fucking in essentially another unstoppable player if he wants to be. Yeah, if he has the yeah. right attitude. But because he has zero rings, he never even got close to a ring. He had like that one year he could have won when Kobe beat him. That was the only chance he had at a ring. Because of that, dude, you wouldn't even be allowed a convo where he's like a great player in the modern year. I think people even didn't want him on the All-75 team or something. I don't think they noticed as well. You do know this guy was putting up something for real, Maui. Like, I'm going to say 15 or 16 seasons of this. Like, before he became, like, the role player, he was just a beast. It's a bit like the one I always say in the 90s that was like, this was Karl Malone. Yeah, he didn't win a title, mate. This guy's another just bucket. This guy's a, this guy, this is a guy who, even though he plays power forward, he's an amazing shooting touch. He has a billion counters, moves. Like, you can't stop him. Now, look, he might stop himself. Maybe he chokes in the game. Maybe he doesn't have a good game in the elimination game. That's also why, if you notice, Michael Jordan wins as well. He's also one of the most clutch players ever, isn't he? Like, that added to everything. Just, it's the ultimate package. But some of these players get criminally underrated. And because of idiot fans, you don't even have the convo. You don't even talk about what they were good at. Well, I think the main arguments against someone like Melo would be the same arguments you would use against someone like Allen Iverson, where it's just high volume. It's high volume shooters that maybe sacrifice on efficiency. It's not even maybe they did sacrifice on efficiency because they would just there was no shot that they didn't like, and so they would their field goal percentages were relatively low. Uh, assist numbers for for Carmelo throughout his career, he averaged by the way under three assists per game and he's playing the joke is he didn't pass he's called yeah, the black hole for a reason <laughs> yeah exactly and i think you could even i i think kobe by far, like i'm pretty sure kobe had better as numbers far as i that. know this is not a joke you know that's one of the craziest myths in basketball history that kobe had didn't pass because do you know there's some stat like i think he's second all-time average assists for a non-point guard or something mental like that well he had kobe, it's like kobe six is, or seven basically is what he's at i'm looking at it right now it's like four for for Kobe's regular season assists per game, and, and the first two seasons, he basically didn't pass, yep. by the way. But after that, 4.7 assists per game for his total career. And his first his first season was 1.3. Second season, 2.5 assists per game. So barely ever passing. He developed that game later on. Carmelo, frankly, just never added it. No, if anything, I, I'm actually looking at it. It's a, if anything, he got worse over his I'll career. I'll give you an analogy. You'll like this. I would actually give the analogy, oh, it's going to hurt so many feelings, but spoiler, soon Twitter's going to be monetized, mate. Now I'm going to be loving these takes. I'm, oh, going, to be, I'm going to be spitting them like a machine gun. You think Fallen's over it? Wait till I find out which other of your heroes I'm going to, which other sacred oxes I'm going to gore, motherfuckers. Here's my take. Carmelo is like Nico. Because again, mm. Nico's body of work's incredible. Does have some issues in big playoff games sometimes. And here's the key thing. The reason I gave the analogy also is this, Maui. I think people like Nico and Mark Mello are ruined by the first teams they're in. Because when you're in a team where you can't trust anyone, then why would you pass? You know what I mean? Like, if you pass to him and he misses, and then you have, like, one less chance to get a bucket, but you lose the game... You're just like, essentially, even the way your mind works, like the reward circuits will tell you, don't do it. Even if there's two people and you shoot, like you're the one in the gym all day, mate. You're the one who can beat these guys. And the problem they have, because remember, Nico was on that mouse sports team that was so fucking whack. People forget this, dude. There's a detail about that year in 2016 no one mentions. He was IGLing as well as doing that. 
He was eye-gelling as a young star, and he was one of the best fraggers in the whole world. And his teammates are people like Dennis and Spiddy. His best teammates were Nex, who was never clutch, and fucking Chris J. Chris J is his opera. Like, as, yeah. a, as a star. So if you have that team, like, yeah, you're going to never trust anyone fully. It's why the joke is, I, I even said this to him, it's like, mate, if you can't trust Carrigan, what IGL's going to walk through the door? Who do you think it's going to be? Do you know what I mean? Like, you're going to essentially lose trust in everyone. And I think people like Carmel Anthony have that problem. What happens is when you when you build your whole game, when it has to only be you, well, the big problem is these are all team sports. Like, I used to say, I used to, say to some of the players in the team sports who had this problem, you, you want to be like my mate Nanawa in StarCraft 2. It's a 1v1 game, mate. He can be as big a dickhead as he wants. He can believe in no one else. He can trust no one. But as long as his game's fire, it's 1v1. He can win. He can win the tournament. Like, it's great. In a team game, eventually, there has to be a team component. And it isn't as simple as, like, you know, just pass to a bad player. It's more like when you do get a player that has some skills, then you've got to learn to trust them. Which I can see why that's... If you've done it for five, six years, it's going to take you a while to do that. You're not, not even going to... Because I think that's the thing, same thing with Eko. Sometimes I get the vibe that, like, he can always get his, mate. He's just too good. But do I think he really trusts the IGL's call when it's 14-14, it's elimination game at a major? I don't know if he does. You know what I mean? And I don't blame him. He's almost been conditioned like this, but it's sad. It's that's like that's why the mellow example's sad. This guy easily could have had rings. If you don't think he could, I don't think, I don't think you were watching, mate. This guy was a monster. Yeah, I think with with mellow with mellow's career, I think that one thing is that he also just never escaped the the shadow of of LeBron throughout its entirety where he would always just kind of like because they were drafted they were drafted in the same year if I'm not yes. mistaken and they so like that that was always and kind of coming into the NBA obviously LeBron had more publicity surrounding him but I think that people thought Car Carmelo was the possibility I guess like there was that I don't think anyone really considered Darko as necessarily no. overtaking either of them, but in, in terms of in terms of those two in that season in, coming out of that year, Carmelo just did, had such a less complete game, even though his offensive uh, arsenal was much deeper. And so for LeBron, it also felt like he was looking towards how do you play the most complete game of basketball. Whereas, like you're saying, because of Melo's lack of teammates, he just he just focused on himself even more and more and more, which made him actually a superstar in terms of uh, fan appeal. Like, I think people, I mean, people loved Melo, oh, especially sure. when he when he went to the Knicks, his stock as just as a <laughs> yes. as an all, as a superstar rose to such high levels because he was the, I'd say he was the last good player for the Knicks. And that's something, I, I don't think there was, before that, it was probably, what would you say, like Patrick Oakley? Ewing or something? <laughs> Ewing? Yeah, okay, Ewing. I, yeah, I guess it would be Ewing, but more I mean, they had a really bad, like, decade and a half before that, yeah. Yeah, and so for him to even uh, have a playoff run with the uh, with the Knicks is probably where he gained a lot of fans in 2013, where, where they made it to, uh, what they second make it round. to, like, the, the second round, yeah. The so problem is they lost to the Pacers in that one, where there's, like, a more complete team, basically. They could have gone further that year, though. They were, they were a decent team. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I never really considered Mellow to be in my, like, top 25 or anything like that. So, uh, honestly, I, I would. I was kind of thinking, like, you want to move into the, the position discussion for, yeah, like, best, best of all positions? Okay, so this is where I think I'm taking up a... A bit, it's a bit of homerism, and I'm not, I'm not even ashamed to say that. But if I if I start with the point guard discussion, there's only two for me. There's only two. There's Magic Johnson, and there's Stephen Curry now. Stephen Curry takes it for me because, and this kind of actually goes back to a similar point that you made earlier that about MJ, uh, well not MJ, you know Magic, which is that he would 
if you had just Magic Johnson as your your best player, Magic showed that he could carry a team when Kareem got injured as a substitute center Not briefly, true. but for sustained success, Curry has proven so much more that he can be the best player on a championship team. He's done it twice. He was uh, obviously two-time MVP, the only unanimous MVP in history, revolutionized the game in terms of shooting, in terms of how people are now even approaching this kind of space and pace era that we're in right now. And for Magic Johnson, flashy, you know, probably you would say he's the captain of the Showtime Lakers, but and, and obviously had incredible skill on the... Uh, on the fast break but in terms of like i think people sometimes take a slight at curry because of defense but like magic johnson wasn't really that much better and actually curry fits into a system defense very well at least they've trained him to do that which is probably due to mark jackson what he was teaching him uh in the pre steve kerr era and then with with magic he would just kind of have to gamble a little bit more on passing lanes he would usually be, have the assignment of the worst player on the opposing team in terms of their uh their offensive options and so for for both of those guys i think if you're constructing a team to play today to put together the best five possible it i find it to be incredibly unlikely that you would ever pick magic over stephen curry at the point guard position right here's one thing to point out on this one is by the way, obviously, if I reference any older players, like here's the eras I watched, right? Obviously, because I was alive then, the 90s was like my original era. Then the 2000s was like, I had the time to watch the most games. And I won't say how or where, but in the 2000s, the internet was a little bit more easier to find things on. And basically in the 2000s, when I used to just work from home in esports, I would do my esports work, but I have all the free time. As long as it doesn't cost money, I don't have to leave the house. That's why I have like an insane knowledge of like music, movies, sports shit. It's why people even say stuff like how did you like get into hockey because i just did that on the side as well i would just find things i, was, I would find players i was interested in. and at the time you could get the games so i've not only seen 2000s 2010s a little bit less at the end of the 2010s i got back into it a few years ago and then i even because of some of these particular places watched a lot of the 80s basketball of the great teams but everything before that like i've barely ever seen games from the 70s the 60s i'm mainly going off our highlights or the stories right but there's a piece of content that'll be coming up on my side channel soon i won't say who it's with if you're on my patreon you'd know the teaser anyway where i basically do an interview with an individual who's doing exactly that now he's going back and watching all the footage he can find of big playoff games in the 60s and in the 70s and of all the players you'd want to see wilt and kareem and Oscar Robertson and essentially I do an interview with this individual where I ask those questions it's sort of like right I'll tell you a player that everyone knows the name of but we don't we never watch their game what do you think about this person and then he gives you all the like info that's really interesting because he never had the context for it so for example if I put in someone I only put them in because I didn't watch them when I think based on the reasons they have to be included but then I have to disclude them because I didn't watch them so I can't pick the player I didn't watch to me that's absurd it's like it's why I said even earlier there's a way I could pick Wilt as my best ever but how can I pick someone I haven't watched loads of games of like you know what I mean that would be disingenuous yeah. like that also if you're Michael Jordan then you're just like bro what do I have to do then you didn't even watch him play you did see me play you agree I wasn't and I don't get so for this I've got three players and as you can imagine I'm going to mention the one I disclude immediately the one that's actually underrated is Oscar Robertson if people don't know because when he has that stat 
you're going to go, this sounds like he is the Russell Westbrook of his day. No, because back then, there's a bunch of things that are mental, Maui. Like, apparently back then, the reason why they don't do tricks back then, like, you know when fucking Tatum gets the ball, and it's like, he doesn't even just do the one you need to beat the defender. He does, like, street ball shit of, like, right, through the legs two times, up, bang, go under your arm, and then shoot the shot. That would all be literally illegal dribbling back then. Back then, there were rules where you had to do stuff like you had to dribble like in a very specific way. You can never double dribble it. And you have to actually dribble with your whole hand on top of the ball. And despite this, this guy, when you, I've confirmed this by going back and look, he, no one ever takes the ball from him, ever. He's only ever dribbling like that. That's the only way he can do it. No one can ever come and take it from him. And he can back people down his massive body for a point guard. That's why he just scores and assists at will. He's like, essentially, he's an unstoppable player. So he would be on my three, but I have to eliminate him because I've only seen a few games. And I've only heard these stories. But if I just look at it, there's a reason why some people in that era even say, like Jerry West, I think, said, I think Oscar Robertson was the best player of any position. Like, essentially, he just said he was unstoppable. And then my two are the same as you. Now, that's going to shock people. Because everyone's going to go, what the fuck? You hate the modern NBA and all the rules. Yeah, but this is where you guys have actually ruined fucking sports analysis because of Michael Jordan. Because you all think the number one and only factor to being great is being clutch. Right? The sport of basketball. I've always said this. This is why people like Kobe, Jordan, Bird are aliens. You know, most great players have like two buzzer beaters in their entire career. Have a billion regular season get they have like two. They might have game winning shots, but they're not a buzzer beaters, because buzzer beaters are the most hard shot to miss. It's almost like a fluke element combat unless you are those alien players. So when people take the idea you have to be clutch, no. I mean, the reason why, in my opinion, Shaq and Kobe is a genius pairing is because Shaq isn't clutch. He actually fouls out, he doesn't hit free throws. And guess what? Because of his game, unless he's really close, he isn't suddenly the 60% shooter if you give him it the last second of the game. He hasn't won that many games with a dunk, right? But if you have him, this is the genius of it. If you have him do the, the bulk of the work when Kobe was like 19 or 20 or whatever and get you to the end of the game and then Kobe's job basically is do some slick move and go one-on-one -on -one and then score the last basket, that's how team basketball works. I always say in teams, the best concept is this. My strength covers your weakness, your strength covers my weakness, and then we look unbeatable. That's why every team at the top, like that Warriors team, dude, people weren't complaining they won those years. People thought they were going to run the table for 10 years. They, this, the concept at the time was everyone has to make crazy power moves because these guys will never lose. Because when you have a team that covers each other, like if people don't know, they had like essentially really good defense, way too many shooting options. They have two players that are fucking unbelievable and Clay Thompson and Durant are playing off the ball and they have the best point guard and best scoring point guard. That is why that's OP. That can't be beaten, but that's why in that scenario, like people don't appreciate how hard it is to even have that and to maintain it. And the point is when you take the players apart... They're not as unbeatable. So to me, I, it's Steph Curry and Magic. And I'm actually going to go the same thing. I'm going to take Steph Curry. Because here's the thing. If I'm playing a regular game, Magic's probably the best player ever. You could, probably could put him with any four players and he'd, he'd get it working. He'd, he'd probably have chances to win the game. He looks like mega at the pass and stuff. But again, the thing about Steph Curry is he can also win you the game. He can shoot. And there's another thing. The reason why he isn't super clutch is obvious to me. Because, mate, aside from maybe actually Kevin Durant... Name me one other player ever in history. Because people are going to say Reggie Miller, but he didn't have the rest of the game. So forget that one. Aside from Kevin Durant, who else actually is guaranteed clutch with a three-point shot at the end of a game? It's just Kevin Durant in it. 
Like, because Corby wasn't actually that insane a shooter from three points. He's pretty good, right, but right, he wasn't like, part. he wasn't in their level. Yeah. Like, Kevin Durant basically is like, can do Steph Curry numbers, but he's just a super clutch player. And that's also because he's seven feet tall. When he's yeah. seven feet tall, he, the joke of Durant is, he's, if he wanted to, he doesn't even have to do all those moves. He could shoot over you. No one can ever reach up. Because the joke, if people don't get it, the reason why, like LeBron, it's impossible in theory to defend these people one-on-one. is because if you're big enough to defend them, then they're too fast and they go around you. And if you're small enough to keep up with them, then they just shoot over you. That's impossible. So as a result, to me, Steph Curry, remember, is an undersized point guard. And he's the best shooter. It's not even close. I actually think the joke is Steph Curry didn't ruin the NBA. He didn't at all. He he actually revolutionized the NBA. The people who ruined the NBA were people like Trey Young, who saw Steph Curry oh and were like, God. "I that's me for real, for real. It's like, that ain't you, homie. You are the guy who's going to dump a bunch of baskets where it's not going to work. You are the guy who's going to... Like, here's the thing about the rest of them as well. Most of the people who get to the 40% shooting percentage on the three points, that's an open shot. You know this. What actually revolutionized Revolutionized the NBA was realizing if you swing to the corner, no one can run as fast as a ball. And if you get an open corner three, there's actually lots of role players can hit at 40%. Steph Curry can do like 44% three points contested off the dribble pull up. I don't think people still comprehend that is impossible. Like, I'm not joking. There will never, ever be. There never was, and there will never be a player that can do that. You know, before, like I referenced, the old three-point king was Reggie Miller. His game was to run off a million screens yeah. and get open. Steph Curry comes down. You know he's going to shoot it. That's why the most gangster era when he won the MVPs was when he would come down. And because you know he can shoot it, he has to start shooting from the logos. Because otherwise, like, it won't even be open. So eventually, with, you have to defend him, like, the whole half court. Like, that is OP as fuck. It's just, with, and, he, with Reggie, and he is mega at passing as well. He is mega at passing. Yeah, with bringing up Reggie at all, though, like, the reason those teams, the Pacers, never really won with him is because he kind of... You would think of Reggie as your second best guy. Like, I wouldn't... He's not even as good of a defender as Clay Thompson, but it's almost like the motion offense the Pacers had to run back then to even get him open was like he couldn't really be ball dominant. He didn't really have resources, those kind of moves yeah. to blow past people. It was just that they have to try to set him up to get a get a shot for him. Incredibly good on the catch and shoot, but yes. not not by any means the sort of player that Steph Curry is. I would even say Ray Allen had a little bit deeper of a bag as an individual yeah, that, than Reggie did. Miller. And so, like, that's why Reggie's pretty low on this. Also, by the way, Reggie, Reggie, for, for being someone that's kind of revered in such an all-time great way, he's never he never was even on an all-NBA first or second yep. team. And so, like... That's why longevity is yeah. misleading, Maui. Because the key thing with yeah, him is this. Exactly. It's like I said, the one thing he does have, though, is his clutch. So that's gone above every... The joke is, they're going to tell you, no joke, Maui, that Reggie Miller was better than, than Carmelo Anthony. If I'm picking yeah. a player today, yeah. I don't know my teammates, I don't know the opponents, I need to win a game, I'll take that one all day long. By the way, spoiler, there's nothing I'm hella biased for, like like frags and baskets. If you can get your own shot, I'm taking you, I don't give a fuck who the other guy is. The other guy can be anyone. If you can't get your own shot and you can't dribble, get, dribble and free yourself up, I, I don't want you, mate. I'm taking the guy who can. Because the other thing about that as well is like, um, let me think how to phrase this. Listen, someone like Reggie Miller, the joke is he would actually have thrived way more in this era. If he could just shoot all day long, he, he would have attempted 10 th three-pointers a game. He would have done some Trey Young shit and scored loads more points, but not as great a player, not at all. And then the other thing about Steph Curry that's really underrated is, like, the joke is everyone always says this about Kyrie Irving. They're right, but it applies totally to Steph Curry. They talk like he's only passing or shooting the three. Mate, this guy's handles and layups are... Oh, 
God, they're fucking unbelievable. They're like Kyrie-esque. It's him and Kyrie, yeah. in my opinion. They are magicians when they go to the basket. They are unbelievable at doing that shit where you have to put to the other hand to go round the blocker and go and, and lay up in off the bat. They're fucking... It's impossible what they do. And so like I say, I actually can acknowledge, especially for the position point guard, it's very rare point guards, the hard carry guys. It's like I said about Michael Jordan at shooting guard. Point guard by definition passes, even if he's a scorer. So the idea you have to be clutch, you don't. And by the way, it's not that Steph Curry isn't clutch. He's just not one of the most clutch players. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Curry, Curry I think, as a, as a point guard, actually, I think during his MVP season, he had some crazy number where he was in the top 10 of people finishing within five, within five feet of the rim. And that's including people that are seven so, feet tall. Of course, yeah. There, that's there like were, some John Ray Jordan shit in it. Yeah, there were there were times I remember that it would just it would just pop up on like NBA Reddit and stuff like that. People would be like, by the way, Steph Curry is like top seven finishers within five feet at this time in the season. I think in when he had when he had Durant as his teammate, he was consistently the highest scoring or like highest percentage in terms of finishing as a point guard close to the rim too. Like, yeah, his his control in that area is something that really leveled his game up because with Stefan, he Pre twenty, I would say pre twenty fourteen, he was a little bit uh, lankier. He was he was he didn't fill out as much. He definitely bulked up in the off season following the loss to the Spurs in the second round, where he started just getting a little bit more muscular. He started getting more control by the basket. It was clearly something that he went back to because he recognized that if he's against some bigs or he's against a uh, really physical guard in the playoffs, he's not going to actually have the uh, body control against them to try to put a put a shot up. And yet and that was like when you're trying to make sure that your your own like outside perimeter shooting is to such a high degree that you're so consistent from that range, you would probably think, oh, I just want to keep going to this, keep going to this. But he was able to develop that aspect of his game while maintaining the efficiency that he had from distance. And that's something where, yeah, like I, I think the, I, I hope at this point for most hardcore NBA fans, <clears throat> the Curry's only a shooter narrative has been more or less squashed because his inside game is incredible too. And I've got one more honorable mention I'll add in. And this is one that will shock people. It's actually Isaiah Thomas. And the reason why I add him mm -hmm. in is this. People don't know what a good scorer he was, mate. This is another guy who can score all day long. He's a very small guy, by the way. He's a tiny guy. His handle is fucking mental. It's one of the best ever. Just go watch the highlights. He is impossible how good his handle is. And then people don't know this. They know the Pistons won the two times. They don't know that the year before was when they were in that game six where he had a broken leg. And he almost won the game with like 25 points in the third quarter. And at the end of the game, there is a phantom foul on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They make the free throws. Lakers win that game and then they win game seven. So if he wins that one, it could have been a three-peat. I actually think that Pistons team is mad underrated. And when you get past Isaiah Thomas, by the way, the rest of them are just good players. There's no other stars there. He's, he's actually, he's an example of another point guard that can just do it. So I'll put him in. The problem he has as well is injuries meant he had, like I'm going to say again, like a 10, 12 year career where he was actually doing it. By the way, that's the other thing on Kobe. The real thing that fucks Kobe is that 2013 injury. If you remember that 2013 season, dude, he was settling into like the latter three Pete Jordan of like pure mastery of your bag. No one can stop you. You do as many shots as you need. You do as few if you need. You know when to, to defend, when to attack. But because he got that injury, he was wrong of like a solid three to five years extra of his career. If you have a longer career and you have more chance, there's more things you can do. The whole combo will be different. So I'll take Isaiah out because like I say, I'm, I'm basically going with Steph Curry for that one. Right, the thing on this one is the shooting guard one's a bit more interesting because spoiler, we don't need to do the job and Kobe one. We just did that. But what we'll do instead yeah. is let's add the other names that you would add. Who else would be in the mix for you? For shooting guard? Uh, 
Let's see. I guess... I kind of just essentialized it to those two already before we even That's got That's all good. This. Yeah, I can do it if you uh, want. I mean, in terms of modern players that I would think of, I think I think Harden has kind of the, been the best shooting guard for, for some time now. Uh, so that's kind of who I would consider there. I think in terms of... Wade? You're not putting Wade in? Uh, I, I, yeah, okay. Wade, Wade, Wade probably actually beats him out in terms of uh, just, like, accomplishments. Um, who who else would even be in terms of, like, modern ones? Oh, I have no more modern ones. Those, those yeah. would be mine. Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I just thought of, like, of the, of the older ones... Just MJ. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, we're you, go you, what, what, what we're going to do, by the way, also is we're just going to pretend like the positions are real. Like, like one of the things I think is the stupidest one of all time is like, you know how LeBron is a small forward and so is Kevin Durant. Like LeBron is a point guard and Kevin Durant's a shooting guard. But I get it that they're listed as small forwards. So we're going to treat them as small forwards, okay, for this discussion. So essentially, Wade... I'll put Harden on there briefly, but I'm going to immediately take him off. We'll do that in a second. And then the third one is just an old school shout. It's Jerry West. And I'll do them okay. in order. I'll take Harden off immediately because here's the problem Harden has. Right? You know when you take an old player and you're like, how would he adapt in the modern era? Well, obviously, actually, the old players have a lot of things that they would gain in the modern era. Like, they wouldn't have their career ended by a simple injury years into their career. You can, have the, you can get the surgery. You can have the sports tech. You have the time off. You fly to every event. You have all the money to... Like, LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on his body. Like, if they could do that, some of these old guys would have longer careers, better careers. Some of them, if they're offensive players they would have literally more and more points. They would get free ticky-tack fouls. They would get free throws. There's a three-point line. There's so many things with old players. Here's the problem Harden has, Maui. He's one of the only players who, in theory, is a great player, who, if you take him to any other era, gets incredibly worse. Because he is the guy where, one, remember what I said about how Oscar Robertson had to do the ball like that? Yeah. Him and Curry all day long are fucking scooping up. You know that was illegal when Alan Iverson did that. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a foul. That's They're doing that all day. They're doing the gather step. James Harden not only gather steps, so he does like three Euro steps, but even worse, what he does with three pointers is the thing that made me start to watch the NBA less for two to three years. When he gets to take three steps backwards to shoot a three pointer, bro, do you know how many great three pointers shooters must be going, if I had that, if I had that in my era, because essentially you <laughs> yeah. don't get it. Three steps is too much. Like no one, no one can go and guard you at that point in time, especially because the most OP thing that James Harden did, this is why letting himself get out of shape ruined his career, mate, is when he was really physically strong and fast, the trick was this, because I step back three times. If you run, I run round you and go to the basket and either get a free throw and a shot or I get the shot on the, I get the layup. That, those two moves, it's why I say his game's quite boring for 50-point games. It's those yeah. two. It's a mega deep three-pointer. It's go to the basket and get fouled on a layup like that. That's the two moves he does. But when the game is broken to favor that type of play, it almost uniquely favors him over any other player in his era. That's why he was an instant basket for like four or five years solid. Like he really was. Like, look, I don't think he was ever the best player personally, but I think he was the best scorer at that time. I think he was an, he was an unbelievable scorer. So I don't hate him. My problem as well is this. He's another guy where it's like, man, he's a, this guy is, a, is an actual bomb in the clutch. He really is. People forget that. You know the year when the Warriors had the Durant one? Everyone's like, they're impossible to beat. Bro, the Rockets were actually a team that like, had them and they had more wins in the season. They just pissed the whole thing away. Harden is so fucking bad if you put him in like a game six, game seven, if he goes in a Western Conference final. Like, yeah. it's just a bomb in the clutch. So that's it. That, look, that's not the be all end all. He's in the, I, got, I put him in the convo, but he's getting kicked straight out. 
Yeah, I mean the Warriors just ate them up every time in uh every time they met in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um one guy I was I mean that I guess would kind of make this shooting guard the the list is so surprisingly thin actually yeah. in terms of like who's good in this one. Um but one that I remember watching cuz I went back through a lot of these old Rocket games was Clyde Drexler. Okay. And that and so that, but that was not because there was actually a brief discussion. I think in when Portland was there's not you too. Well, yeah, when when he when he was playing for Portland prior to joining the Rockets, uh, there was like a very brief window where people were like, I don't think this was ever really said with too much seriousness, but it was one of those motivating factors for Jordan when he actually needed to get fired up for a series yeah. was Drexler or Jordan. And then Dr Jordan just destroyed Drexler. But it was like, there was like that actually was opened up at one point. So there was, there was a conversation for viewers at that time, whether or not Drexler could, could actually hold it to it Jordan. It wasn't a ridiculous thing. If you go back, he was averaging 25 points a season that year, that year, uh, six rebounds, 6.6 .6 rebounds, 6.6 .6 assists, almost two steals, and he's shooting 47%. Like, th these are fantastic numbers for a shooting guard. Like, he was very good. His problem, like you say, is in Michael Jordan's shadow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he, it was, I think... It's probably it underrated, like, though, I agree. There was something where, like, actually, I think I think when they met... When did they make the NBA Finals? I think they was, like, let's it was just say... It was in 1990 92. 92 was the one where he met Jordan. 92. So I think 92, it was after 92, it was like Drexler's numbers just dropped off after he got owned by Jordan in those finals. <laughs> like he, he lost so much confidence there, but that just kind of shows the alpha mentality of Jordan sure. and why everybody else is just not even going to be close to him. Right. Uh, the other two names yeah. I had were obviously Jerry West and Weird. So I'll do it like this. Yeah. I will actually, because, oh, spoiler, I've already picked uh, Michael Jordan for this. So again, we're just adding him and I'm excluding him. Right, the Jerry West one, the main one is I didn't watch him play, obviously. But actually, he is probably the most maligned great player in the history of basketball, mate. Because all anyone knows is what? What's the one stat line people know? With Jerry West is like, uh, just how Take clutch he was? Or like, or no, like what's, with, what would with, be with the final, knock? Finals? Or like he lost in the finals more than anybody? Yeah, he lost in all the finals except yeah, one. yeah. Now, yeah, that yeah. would tell you, not clutch and a loser, right? That's the obvious assumption. If you don't watch the games, that would be the obvious assumption. Here's the problem with that. He was known in his generation as the most clutch player. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, reason. Yeah, By the way, clutch. nobody argued him being the logo of the NBA. Because actually, the thing was, he was like simple when he was on the bad Navi squads. He would bang out every time, Maui. If you go and look at his numbers in general, they're impossible. Even in the finals, he's losing. They are impossible. He is actually for real doing like 30, 35 point, 40 point. In games, he's losing. And it's other players losing these games. And in some of the games, by the way, he'll sometimes lose in seven games because he's had to hit two game winners in other games to get it to seven games. And by the way, yes, his teams in the regular season were some of the best. It's like those early LeBron teams. They could get to 60 wins, but the rest of the team falls apart in the playoffs. Right, Jerry West is actually cracked for this shit. Like, he's unbelievably good. He's mega shooting numbers, really efficient. Also, he's someone where people don't know this. Because you see, it's just actually a racial thing. Because he's white, you think, ah, oh, he's not an athlete. Bro, he's one of these people who was like a track and field star in his high school, played other sports and could have gone pro in them. I think maybe like baseball or something mental. He was really tall for a shooting, uh, shooting guard. Let me just double check what his actual height was. I think he was like way taller than people know. Let me just double check. Oh, it says he's 6'3", actually. Never mind on that one then. Right, basically, people say he's mega strong. 
He's one of those people where it's like deceptive. Like you, you, you run into him, he's just superstar. Basically, he was, he was just unbelievable. And like I say, people don't know, like, because it's a team game, you absolutely can get hard stock by your teammates. You absolutely can. It's a real thing that can happen in the game. There's really great players that haven't won when they should have. People don't know. Part of Michael Jordan's physical peak, he was nowhere near to winning because his teams did not allow him to. He couldn't. It was impossible to do it. So, And also, there's a stat... Like, people didn't record this back then, but it's in a lot of books, and so it's one that's often repeated. Supposedly, there was a season where Jerry West hit something like 14 game winners. That's that's impossible. Yeah. Like, I I, even people like Michael Jordan don't do that, guys. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, that, you, to do that, you actually have to be, like, one of the most clutch, best shooters. Like, to, and so, to me, it's so insane that people just use, like, they only know that he lost in the finals. They all, that's all they know. They don't know anything else about like, except they maybe heard the Mr. Clutch, but they think that's counteracted by it. So I have to at least give him his props. And also he had a very long career, by the way. Like if you look, he actually played 13 years, which at the time was about all you could ever play. Because remember, back then you don't join the NBA till after college, three or four years. So already you're going to get three or four years taken off your career if you're from a high schooler. And at the end, everyone gets injured. I mean, apparently he didn't, but everyone else gets injured. Like if it, And you play mm. for pennies. The joke back then is he was playing for the kind of salary me and Maui make for commentating and analyzing CSGO. The other's making 10 million. Like, they'll stick around. Spoiler, half a while LeBron sticks around, in my opinion, is he makes more money than God by doing it. Like <laughs> It's like that VP thing when they used to make the 25K a month. You know, everyone would speculate, oh, will they retire? And I was like, you'd have to pry the mouse out of their cold, dead hands, motherfucker. They live in Poland. They're getting paid 25K a month. Like, they'll find a way to get the next month. Don't worry. They'll find the excuse they need to get the next month. They'll say they're changing positions. Of course, it's a fucking game. There's another game within a game there. And then the last one's Wade. Now, here's the sad thing about Wade. He can simultaneously be overrated and underrated. Because for this discussion, we're talking best shooting guard ever. Now, I do think, actually, he had a very good career. He's another one of those players who's a bucket, 25, games, 25 points a game, easy, smooth, can go to the basket, eventually became a good mid-range shooter, had some all right defense. He wasn't like a great defender, but he was all right on defense. Seems like a good teammate, even. Seems like a rare example of a superstar, by the way, not with like a crazy ego that like fucks other people up. The problem he has is this. He's actually slightly underrated on the LeBron heat. Like, I actually think until the end, he was the better player. Like, the spoiler, if they if LeBron just played like a real human, Dwayne Wade would have been the finals MVP against the Mavericks. He was fucking balling, guys. Go watch the games. Like, he was killing them. He was playing way better than Dirk Davitsky. I'm telling you right now, it's just Dirk Davitsky had the clutch and he won the games. So then... The problem is, earlier, the first part of his career, I always thought Kobe was better than him. I watched the both, both of them a lot. Kobe was just a better, more complete player. So Wade's in the mix. He's probably my second one. But obviously, I'm going... Uh, he'd be third after Kobe and John. I'm going with Jordan on this one. So there we go. Let's go to small forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who are your candidates? Let's do it. Uh, my shortlist is uh, it's LeBron, it's Larry Bird, and I think you might want to take, like, an Elgin Baylor. I don't really, okay. I don't really, I, I haven't seen as much of Elgin Baylor, but like yeah, in yeah. terms of career achievements and everything, I think sure. he was definitely up there. Um, I, I would like, I would like to throw Durant into this conversation also, uh, but I just think that Durant's career trajectory, just to open up Durant, I guess, before, before we get into some of the other more likely yeah, candidates, I would say that Durant, Durant's biggest issues for me have kind of been uh, self-induced. Uh, if you if you look at pure play, if you look at uh, pure ability, especially offensively, he is transcendent. Uh, like we've said before, he can get any basket at will. His finishing inside, I would say, I would say his handle for a seven footer 
is fantastic. Like the way he can go low and just cross people up who are four inches shorter than him consistently, blow by them, get to the basket. We're seeing it less in the more rec couple, recent couple of years uh, post-injury, but I would say that when he was in his prime, like that was one of the things that was to me the most shocking because when, when Durant was building out his gameplay and in high school especially, I remember that he learned from his coach at the time, just build a couple of moves, and if you're that height, you're going to be able to score at will. But he actually went above and beyond that by developing all of those those handles too. And so with Durant also, I'd say that his defense is massively underrated. I'd say that he was probably the best overall. On the Warriors team, you would say that the best two defenders were Draymond and you would say Durant. Yes. Thompson gets this this name as like the hound dog who is like always always trying to chase these guys on the perimeter. But if you actually want to go for versatility, Durant was actually covering a lot of wings, a lot of forwards, and uh, also sometimes blocking centers right at the rim too. So I would say that where he leveled up incredibly as a teammate was once he joined the Warriors because it kind of felt like before when he was on the Thunder, it was a little bit of you get yours, I get mine between him and Westbrook and and to an extent Harden. So for for Durant, I, I think that what ended up being his fatal flaw was that he thought he could do it with anybody instead of just chasing greatness with the Warriors more, choosing to side with Kyrie. like, And that's what's annoying with these conversations sometimes is that sometimes it's not even what they're doing on the court that's actually hindering yes. their greatness. It's that he, he thought that, oh, you know, you look at Kyrie, you look at Curry, and <clears throat> I think only a fool would compare those two uh, in the same sentence nowadays, but I would say that Durant at the time saw D Kyrie more as his friend, whereas Curry was a guy that he was unfortunately going to live in the shadow of, despite the fact that he won finals MVP over him, just because the Warriors was always going to be Curry's team and Durant was more or less just a mercenary for them. So when Durant left to the, to the Nets, he signed himself to this deal that was tying his future to basically uh, he's at Kyrie's whim and we all know that Kyrie is the most fickle player in this space and that he's basically a, a head case month in month out. So even then, even then what Durant was able to put together in that series versus the Bucks being a couple inches away from actually changing Giannis's future and probably the Bucks future for that matter and net the Nets future. That's that all to me adds up together to make Durant one of the most comprehensively dominant scorers of all time but it's just that it's sometimes like it just it, it's just like that that killer instinct to, that goes above and beyond the way that it, it doesn't have that mentality that even other people on this list like Larry Bird like LeBron have where they, they're just going to get it done no matter what it does seem like Durant sometimes just has has this inability to put it all together every single time. Like the situation has to be right for him. He's got to make sure that like the only time he's ever really gotten it all together was with the with the Warriors, where he and he jumped ship to do that. He, and so that's such a huge mark on his resume. Where otherwise we could be we could be considering him in such a different light. But <clears throat> I, I kind of blame a lot of it on his situations, which were some in part due to him and some in part due to the fact that he was drafted by the the Sonics. Right, let's just go play for player. So on Durant, I have a lot to say on this one. Like, first of all, when we're doing that thing of if you're taking the GOAT, but it's like not just a career, for real, like you're taking a player in a year at a time. I'm not joking. Like, I would take like prime Kevin Durant over LeBron, like in a heartbeat. Like, I actually think he is one of the most unstoppable players to ever play basketball because he for real is a guy with 
who play, who can essentially play a shooting guard, has really good handles and ball skills, can get his own shot whenever he wants, can shoot when contested like Curry, can shoot the three. His shooting numbers are impossible. They are actually impossible. This is a guy who for fun can average over 50 from the field. Massive three-point numbers. Free throws are incredible, by the way. This guy is bonkers how skilled he is. So like at his actual peak, I think he's one of the only like truly unguardable players up there with like Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan like these players were like they're just impossible and part of it is his height he's essentially a seven footer if people don't know like I'll check his actual official height he's 6'10 is what he's listed at but yeah. for that position and what he's doing in terms of shoot that's that may as well be seven feet at that point in time like spoiler the defender is not going to be 6'10 so you are always going to have the height advantage like you say and as a result if he wanted by the way he could have like you said just stuck with simple moves hard and style but the other thing is he expanded his bag eventually he also did have all the moves so my problem with him is this he also is a really good playoff player. He's very clutch. Like, if any, everyone remembers the series they lost to the Warriors. Aha, but remember first, the Thunder were up 3-1. Go look at two of the games they lost, like game two and then game seven. Dude, his stat line is exactly what you'd ask of him. He just like, you know, 50-60%. He has like 11 or 12 field goals, like seven assists, six rebounds, scores at, you know, 27, 29 points. So like, well, what do you want? Like, that, guess what? Russell Westbrook and people like that lost you the series. James Hart, these are the players. I mean, James Hart wasn't in that one, but these were the players on the Thunder who would bomb the game for you. Like, people know this. The reason why I hate Russell Westbrook, Maui, I didn't really have a problem with him when he wasn't being given MVP and when he wasn't with Durant. My problem was this. I would watch him jack a bad shot while Kevin Durant stands three meters to the side of him against a defender who, as we just described, could never stop him. And it's like, bro, do that in the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, give the ball to Kevin Durant. Like, can you please let him win the game? Like, by the way, if he wins the game, by the way, Westbrook, you would have gotten so much credit as like the second best player. And people would have said you were a great point guy. You might even have been on this fucking list because of your athleticism. But instead, everyone knows this. Russell Westbrook was supposed to be a shooting guard in his mind and in the, uh, earlier in his career. And he always played like it so unfortunately that's already the first mark which is I don't blame Durant at all for leaving Russell Westbrook but as you're pointing out aside from going to the Warriors which was just a slam dunk because they just won and then lost in the finals but should have won that one probably over the Cavaliers aside from that this guy has some of the worst like self-GMing I have ever fucking seen. In fact, him and LeBron show me that like you never want to let star players pick the team. It's never going to fucking work. Same account strike, by the way. They Like you heard the stories, Nico will pick washed exist over Prime Carrigan. That's just who he is. Like star players are fucking bonkers for this shit, bro. Because like you're saying, they pick their friends. Not the actual best player. They pick a guy, right, who basically in the off-season blows smoke up their ass when they lose. Like, ah, oh, imagine if we played together. I'd have just given you the ball. And, you know, you've seen my skills. Like, if I were you, I'd be better. And then they let that get in their head instead of looking at the game ruthlessly, like fucking like people like Bill Belichick doing the NFL and just going, does he actually have the game that would suit me? Is this where I should be? And does it make sense to play with him? If the answer to those, like if the answer so all three isn't yes, then I can't do it. Really. Like I can't play with you. Durant has taken like he's worked, he'd made the worst super teams of all time. He's made the ones where the big three is dog shit. It's like that big three doesn't ever make any sense, mate. It's gross. And the amount of times, by the way, it's the two of them. He can't stop choosing Kyrie or James Harden. James Harden is a fucking bomb in the playoffs and has clearly, by the way, stopped caring about his like health and fitness and weight about six years ago after the Rockets. And then Kyrie, 
one has injury problems too. And then, like you say, secondly, his personality is just so weird that, like, I don't even, I don't hate on the guy. I'm, I'm into having weird ideas. But, like, I can imagine he has a very hard time relating to people. He looks like a selfish player who thinks like, it has to be me. His skill level is insane, but there's a reason why he'll never be a complete player and he'll never be, like, uh, the sole reason that a team wins a championship. So the real problem Durant has, it's the biggest knock, is either A, outside the game, getting all the wrong teams, but then B, man, did this guy get injured a lot. Even before the, the, the like, one in the Warriors. Dude, he used to have to sometimes miss, like, 20, 30 games out of a split a season. Now, we'll say, because of modern science, he's easily the best player ever to come back from, like, the fucking torn ACL or whatever it is. Like, it was bonkers when he came back now. But, mate, that injury, people don't know this. Like, that was, like, the prime of his career. That robbed him of a bunch of really peak years. He just doesn't have... You go look on the basketball reference. Dude, the amount of seasons where he can play, like, 75, it's, it's none. It's none. It's so ridiculous. It's very, very few. Whereas the difference is, there's a stat, people might know it. When he won his six championships, Michael Jordan played every single game. Every single, all 82. He's never taken a game off. There's another thing, by the way, why Michael Jordan also can't be beaten. He's one of those players that like can't be injured somehow. That's how you know he's like some fit alien from another world genetically. <laughs> like his idea of an injury is that thing of like, ah, oh, I got a sore back. Still to score anyway. It's like, these guys just don't get injured, mate. Like, I know it's insane. You, just, you have to have luck in your career as well as be really good. So I think Durant, listen, he definitely should be in this convo. It's just, I'm not going to pick him as my choice. Right, who's your next name? Uh, I mean, I had I had Elgin Baylor just because of like the amount of all NBAs he had. Oh, whereas loads, yeah. Was loads. I mean, yeah, it was kind of one of those players that was just incredibly iconic in their era because it was, uh, I, I kind of, I, I would say... You wouldn't put him up there with like Russell or like Muhammad Ali necessarily, but he was also coming in at a time when there was like incredible conflict. And so he kind of has this storied history behind him. But then the the aftermath of his career where what he became the the GM of um, Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers for a bit and didn't really do anything with them. That kind of like marred what he actually accomplished on the floor. I, I mean, I think it's just kind of like more on the honorable mention category. Yeah. I, I don't know. I you. actually. Yeah, no, I, I haven't really went back and watched like Elgin Baylor beyond highlights or anything like that. But it's just like in terms of sheer resume it was fantastic. But I'd say I'd say one one that I actually would want to throw in there is like and it's obvious is Larry Bird. Uh, Larry Bird for small forward is probably I, I would say he was holding the title before LeBron took it for me where Larry Bird, it, we talked about already kind of killer instinct, finesse. I would say that in terms of just having him be your guy, there's a lot of times you would actually pick him over LeBron to be your number one option because he's going to get it done. He's going to he's gonna hit that shot. He had that level of competitiveness where he has to just get himself excited by throwing his hat into the ring. Um, that's actually kind of what I, what I actually do. On analyst desk nowadays, I'll just make a bold prediction because I just want to make things interesting for myself. And it's not that I don't believe it, but it's just that I just want it to happen because I need some. I need to put some stakes into this game, or else it kind of just becomes any other game to me. And I think Larry Bird recognized that's a way to fire yourself up for a lot of these moments that otherwise would seem rather pedestrian. And I re so I respect that kind of mentality because it just leads you to have more focus for your job. It leads you to try to m do something crazier next time, every single time. And beyond that, when you look at just skill set alone and eye tests, I would say that LeBron had some has some like fantastic passes, just like full court, just like bombs it with like one hand bounce pass, lead lead pass. Uh, I mean, Larry Bird wasn't necessarily pulling those off 
as much, I would say, in terms of in terms of what I've seen, but in terms of finesse and just getting getting the ball to who he wanted to at any given time, it felt very it felt Jokic esque, where he's just yeah. always able to hit that laser beam to the most open man on the floor at any given time, like eyes in the back of his head type stuff. And beyond that, just a better shooter um, than LeBron. And uh, I would say though that the thing is that with 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 Bird is that he actually had such a stacked supporting cast. For a lot of his championships, like, uh, like, um, like, it's just, it's just that I don't know if that really lowers his stock for me in any way, <clears throat> but it's just that with some of the teams that LeBron was taking to the finals in comparison to Bird, it's, it, to me, not even close. Like, like, LeBron did heavier lifting than Bird, given that his, uh, the other people on his team were just like, like, you're not going to look at back at many of those names fondly. Right, here's the thing. The problem is this. I'll go, I'll take the Baylor one very quickly. Basically, the reason why he was mega popular is because he was like a mega dominant player at small forward. And he had all the like Jordan go to the basket highlights before Michael Jordan ever was born even. Like he was doing like the fly under one side, go under the hand on the other side and go in the basket. Like this is in an era when like people had athleticism, but like no one was doing it like that. Like he already was like the high flyer. And he's mega strong. So he can do that. He can go in and do all that shit. And also, like, he just is an insane volume player. The problem he had is, and he was on the Jerry West teams, is he's one of the ones who would sometimes have the playoff letdown. He would have the game where he'd take a load of shots and just miss, basically. And so that's the problem he had. But he definitely was a fantastic player. I certainly think he should be on the list. Right, then it's between LeBron and Bird, right? I'm going to personally take Larry Bird for this one. Ooh, what the fuck? But that's because I'll give you a few angles. So first of all, I know what you mean by he had a better supporting cast. He probably did. Like most of his best teams are better than any team LeBron was on. There's a reason why people say the 86 Celtics might be the best team in history. It's not just Larry Bird who was insane, but like the rest of the team is so complete. They're impossible um, defensively. There's a reason they lost one regular season game at home. Like, I mean, they did have all that shit as well with the court with Dodgy and they had all the rigged shit and stuff. But even so, like you still have to play the game at the end of the day. It's still basketball. They were impossibly good. But I will just say the 80s, one thing people underestimate is because back then there weren't all the big trades and there wasn't like loads of money the 80s were like super teams all the top teams like the Celtics and the Lakers are super teams the Sixers that won were a super team they had like yeah. Moses Malone and Dr. J at the same time then later Charles Barkley then the Pistons that came along they weren't a super team they're actually the counter because they were just like a team ball team but you had all these squads that were like these are all deep as fuck the Rockets team was good these are all really solid squads that are coming up at this time so Basically, that's not really a knock on him except against the other players. Like in that area, you basically wouldn't win a championship if you didn't have a super team like that. If you didn't have everyone pretty good. You could even do mad shit back then. It happened with both the Lakers and the Celtics, Maui, where you could actually be winning the championship and still have number one pick next year. That's a thing back then, which is like, that doesn't <laughs> even exist in the era of Michael Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. Not, not now, of course, you get the worst pick. I'm with you on the Jokic's comparison for passer, actually. The thing that makes Harry Bird impossible, like Jokic, is they don't just do a pass. What they do is they read the defense and just pass to the most open person. And because they have, like you say, a laser pointer as a pass, when you watch the highlights, an actual casual fan is going to think they're shit. They're going to be like, what the hell? That defense is terrible. Like, no, nobody else sees that shot. And even if they do, they can't always deliver it to that. Like, like they do the pass where he is defender, but you deliver it to the edge of his hand here, like a quarterback or something. Like, they do the impossible ones. And Larry Bird had those passes. By the way, he might be the best player ever at the touch pass. You pass to him and he doesn't even get the ball. He just passes it like that to the guy under the basket. Because that's what Jokic does. Jokic just passes to players that are stood under the basket slightly 
slightly unguarded for a second. So you're already worried about his offensive bag. And then if you come in, he just passes to that guy and he gets a free bucket. Well, now what do you do? Because that game works forever. That will never stop working as long as you can do the pass. Then in terms of like actual like shooting, right? So Larry Bird can pass like Jokic. He can shoot like he's Dirk Nowitzki. Mate, his shooting touch is fucking unbelievable. It's actually for real. He might have the best jump shot ever. Like, I've watched them all, mate. His jump shot is so buttery, fucking smooth, feathery. He's one of those ones where when he's on his game, it just doesn't touch the edge of the net. It just goes through in that perfect dark, like... It's never bouncing off the... Like, the joke is, for real, he has, like, half a dozen or a dozen potential game winners that are, like, off by that much or, like, bounce in and out or something. Like, he was on... He almost had it automatic when he shot. And if you go look at his numbers... It supports it, mate. This is one of those guys who was like a 50-40-90. Yes, obviously they didn't shoot as many threes back then. But the point is, when Steve Nash does that and everyone tells me he's 50-40-90, that's because the motherfucker doesn't shoot. That's because he shoots 15 shots a game. Larry Bird will do that and shoot as many as you need, mate. You tell me how many points you want, I'll go get it. And then in terms of being clutch, like I say, I think he's the most clutch player ever. I've seen them all. It's only the idea Michael Jordan played more years that would give him it in that sense. So bear in mind, for this, I can do a solid like eight, nine, ten years for Larry Bird. His peak is unbelievable. The reason why I'm taking him over LeBron is this. I actually think, I'll give you a contrast to what you said. When you said about the LeBron carrying bad teams to the finals, here's the problem. LeBron did that in the mega weak Eastern Conference. The West was way more loaded in LeBron's era than the East. Actually, the Eastern Conference was the better one in Larry Bird's time. That was the one with... Larry Bird, Celtics, the Sixers, who was really good. Later, the Pistons. And then, look, he wasn't a good team, but Michael Jordan's there, even though the Bulls are shit. Like, bro, that Eastern Conference was fucking stacked. And they're making loads of finals. They're, they're even really good in loads of these matches they lose. Basically, his problem is injuries. And the reason why I'll contrast it to the LeBron one, and we can talk about LeBron then, but obviously I'm not taking him, is because here's the problem. Those two finals that LeBron lost first are criminal. They're both criminal. The first one against the Spurs, you're all going to tell me, but he was so young. Because remember, he wasn't supposed to get past the Pistons. They were supposed to go to the finals and probably play the Spurs again for another year, right? The problem with that one is this. When he got there, go look up who guarded him on the Spurs. Bro, you couldn't even tell me who it was. It was great. It was just normal players. It was like Bruce Bowen and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't people who were like, oh, remember, this is when LeBron was a freight train. He either can go to the basket or he goes right and shoots or whatever it was. I can't remember which way it was. Basically, his shooting game in the mid-range wasn't good enough. I don't think it's ever been good enough. He's never actually developed his mid-range game. What he did is, he shoots threes. That's why every fan has to go, yeah, but that, like, sidestep three. Like, how about go in the mid-range and shoot and win a game, motherfucker? You just not do it. And then also, he was amazing physically going through the basket. But the problem is, he went to the basket in the era of the soft fucking uh, rules for offense, where you can just get fouls all day long. Essentially, you can't block him. Here's a detail that will blow your mind about the 1960s. In the 1960s, if you're Wilt Chamberlain or, or um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you lean into the defender and take a shot, it's an offensive foul. You have to actually go straight up and you can't lean into him. In the era LeBron did, he just runs at you because if you go in his way, you're never going to get your feet set. So it's a foul. That means either he gets a free basket, a layup or a dunk, or it's a foul. Now, look, he's not a great free throw shooter either. I think that's always a big knock. 
Dude, for a guy everyone tells me is a great scorer and shooter, fucking hell, he is whack at free throws. And he is not someone you can trust at the end of the game. Dude, he doesn't trust himself. That's why he's passed. He wasn't always doing the open man. He was just scared sometimes to do the free throws. Bro, I have seen so many actual games that weren't interesting at the end from Jordan and Kobe, where they just keep making like seven out of eight free throws. And you're fouling them like it's our only chance, but you never win the game. They just keep it like... LeBron didn't have that. He had, unfortunately, the, the free throw thing killed him. So the all seven one against the Spurs is criminal. Yes, the Spurs is the better team, by the way. He's never meant to win. But just, if you just go and look how he plays, he is so, and he also has a couple of games like he did in, in 2011 where he just doesn't even try shooting, mate, where he gets dispirited. And the 2011 one, for real, Skip Bayless is not wrong. That is the most disgraceful finals from an all-time, especially a GOAT contender. That is the worst finals ever, mate. Ever. They still almost won it, by the way. It was still six games. Do people forget that? Like, they still actually almost won, and he is doing shit, like people might remember, like just going all for five in a fourth quarter. He's doing stuff like, you know, you just you average like five points in fourth quarters and stuff. It's so insane, the drop-off. And then the question's the same thing. Here's my problem. That wasn't the 07 Spurs, one of the best teams ever. That was the fucking Mavericks. Yeah. The one that was like, that half of them are injured or boomers or old or like never were the greatest, you know, like that one there, who the fuck's guarding him? This is not a joke. Sometimes JJ Barea, the undersized point guy, was sometimes guarding this guy. And he didn't say, give it to me. I'm going to shit on this little, little guy. We'll just say, <laughs> caught myself there, caught myself there. And there's a different word we used to use back in the day if people were very small like that, Maui. Now we say little guy, right? So he didn't do that. He essentially just bitched out. And those are two finals, yeah. mates. Like that, that kills me inside. So my problem with LeBron is this. It's actually an angle you might like. The reason why I think it's actually, in a way, stupid to argue players who play different positions goes like this. Because the reason why... It wouldn't have... You know when people say that thing, well, Kobe won those rings with Shaq, but if you put any great player... No, if you put LeBron with him, I've just told you, he doesn't make free throws, he's not a clutch at the end. It actually wouldn't work. Like They're both the player that carry you through the first three quarters. But if instead... How about this? So if you actually did put... Are you ready? This is why LeBron and Durant aren't rivals. Because, mate, if they played together, there's a reason LeBron wanted to recruit him. That's game over. Could you imagine if LeBron and then Durant is the off-ball player? Bro, that is the end of the of the NBA. They would actually run the table. They'd even be any Warriors lineup that you put together. Like those two players would be fucking nuts because they could coexist. They could play together. That's also even like the joke is if you actually want to put him with a player, he'd be with Michael Jordan or Kobe or something. There's, these are the players you'd pair because of how basketball works. So to me, I, I'm not a LeBron hater. Like I don't do the thing of he's shit. He is extremely good player. He's one of the best ever. It's just I do eliminate him from my goat argument. I don't really do that thing of like, he's definitely top two or top three. He isn't for me. I think, he's, look, he's at a minimum top 10. And depending on how generous I am, maybe he's like the fifth or sixth best player ever. But I do think, it, like the problem is, like I say, they're using longevity. They're using total number of points scored. They're using number of finals. It's like, notice none of that ever talks about how he played Maui. They don't talk about how he played in the game. They don't talk about what he did, where his strengths and weaknesses were. If I go to those, it just doesn't match up as well for me. So it's mainly because I'm not doing longevity as a primary factor here. If you're doing like peak, and also here's the other thing, I'll just say it now. His longevity is fugazi. Here's why. Because he wasn't injured, Maui. Go look on Basketball Reference. The last 10 years, he's not even doing 70 games a season, mate. He is sitting on the bench, letting his team get to the playoffs. He's, that's why he doesn't win the MVP, because he's not trying to win the MVP. Michael Jordan, by the way, is trying to win the scoring title MVP 
title and finals MVP every fucking season of his career because he's a notter. By the way, that's yeah. the other thing. LeBron is also seemingly a normal human being. That's really bad if you want to be the best basketball player ever. If you want to be the best at anything, you've got to be a bit unhinged, mate. You've got to be like simple and equal. That's why in the fucked up way, I'll give you the analogy, I actually think Zewu's too normal. I think his problem is he's not enough of an arsehole, mate. I actually think sometimes, essentially, if you notice with the great players, you just wait until someone else puts the players around you that can handle it and it works. You don't really fix it. Like, Michael Jordan didn't really figure out to be a cool guy. Man, that, in his own documentary, he's a dickhead and he's signing off like, yeah, put it out <laughs> like that. Like, I'm watching it like, bro, you're an arsehole. Like, holy shit. You're like destroying people's confidence. And then what happens is like Phil Jackson and Scotty Pippen have to build them up again. Like, how's that you? How did you make them better there? So to me, I think that's the big problem for LeBron. I'm not doing the kids doesn't have any killer instinct. I just think he also didn't work on his game like that. Like, I think actually he is a guy who's settled for being a three-point shooter, passing it or doing a go-to-the-basket move. That's why I say 20 2013 LeBron was different. He had a post-up game, guys. He would go down low at like six to eight feet and if, you can't guard him. He's massive. And then he'll just turn and he actually had shit like jump hooks. It was, not, I actually thought when I saw that, no joke, maybe he is going to be everything everyone said he would be. Maybe he actually will be like a goal. Like if he plays like this, and at the time, by the way, he was trying really hard on defense. He was really, he actually was like a contender for defensive player of the year. There's another thing. The last 10 years, he just bailed on defense. Yeah. Oh, what a bomb. And then the last thing I'll say is, everyone says that thing where they're like, he'll never get a fair whistle. Have we been watching the same NBA the last 20 years? LeBron has to have one of the best whistles ever from the refs. Dude, he does actual, real, uh, uh, egregious flops and gets the whistle. He does the ones where it looks really bad on vi on video. By the way, I've seen Michael Jordan like sort of like lean into a defender. I've never seen him do the ones where, you know the ones where LeBron, it's like, yeah, it's like yeah, wrestling. Yeah. It's like they push him like that and he's like, whoa, like... Bro, that's, it's not a reason he can't be the best ever, but it's really embarrassing. It really ru ruins your swag. And so the real problem is this. If we're just taking their peak to win a game, I'll take Larry Bird. Give me your LeBron take then. Come on. Hit me with it. Uh, okay. Well, Bird, Bird versus LeBron. I, okay, well, I think I, I would pick up on the, the one where basically you're, you're saying that... Okay, so so he has some he has some pretty bad he has some pretty bad finals showings, but I would say that his peaks in some of the playoff series that he won, um, say the the 2016 NBA Finals where he was able to just hard carry over sure. over the Warriors like coming back to, from down one three. That's kind of one of the greatest achievements in terms of well, it is the greatest achievement in terms of adversity in the the finals ever. I mean, no one's come back from one three. That being said, you have to put yourself down one three to come back from from one three. So it almost kind of is a it's it's like if you just actually won the games outright when you were supposed to, that would have been similarly and probably even more impressive in a lot of ways if they just if they just actually didn't make it so close. So I would say that with LeBron, I, I'm going to go back to like eye tests here. I would say like athletic capabilities over bird in his prime were so far beyond what bird oh, was capable off, like, of doing yeah, yeah and so that that to me vaults him over in terms of because you know we we, we reference bag as like ta or like uh finesse uh just skill all these things you worked on but because lebron worked on sheer athleticism and was blessed with better genetics than larry bird in a lot of ways he had more capabilities there and i would say that like Larry Bird, I mean, sure, sure, uh, LeBron, LeBron actually sold out on defense for a lot of his career. But when he was locked in, I mean, like we said, I mean, he was contending for DPOI. He was uh, first team All NBA on defense for five times. I don't think Bird, by the way, has never been 
um, all all NBA defense first team. He was he was on the second team three times. He wasn't but, a massive defender, mate. He was just he was just he was more like a team help defender, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's where I would. I mean, scoring to me is more important, and, and manufacturing baskets a lot of the time is more important than being a great defender. But the fact that LeBron was able to do both in his MVP in like multiple MVP seasons, you cite his 2013 season as probably being his best. I think you'd have to agree with that one. That seemed to be when he was at the pinnacle or at the apex. And then I, I would. Like longevity comes a little bit later in this discussion, but I think that the peaks that we've seen from LeBron have happened multiple times. We saw it in 2013. We saw it in 2016. Uh, the bubble championship is a little, I don't really want to consider that one as heavily. That one felt a little bit strange overall. So that's kind of like playing I mean, in the online no audience. Era. Yeah, exactly. So like a lot of people you notice were a lot better than they were outside of that. Yeah, there were just random players. Like some random player on every team would drop really forty was. every other game. Yeah. yeah, it was it was very strange. It was, it was a strange like an empty time gym essentially. <laughs> yeah, so so I would actually use longevity in this discussion between Bird and and LeBron, where they have, in a lot of ways, very similar resume points. But I would say that just the fact that LeBron has achieved so many things that Bird has, but done it for longer stretches, wins it for me over him. Um, but then I actually would, would go back on the things where I was kind of down on Durant over the fact that he made so many bad career decisions. I would actually say that LeBron, for the most part, made some pretty good I, good decisions where going to the Heat, even though that left a bad taste in everybody's mouth when that happened, it, it actually was able to at least shut up the ring discussion for a lot of people because he was able to win in Miami a couple of times. I think that that in some ways just sped up his case to get him to the GOAT conversation because I would say before he won those, you would have considered him a top 30 player of all time. But once he started winning a couple of those, once he won the two finals MVPs back to back, that's when we all recognize, okay, he just needed a slightly better team. It's just that he joined a team that was so strong, a super team manufacturing one uh, to get there made us want to downplay what he was able to accomplish there. But I don't think I can take away his achievements in those two years when he was winning back-to-back -back chips. So I would, I like, there's, there is like the lack, like, like Bird to me, if you kind of had to give someone the ball on the last play of the last game, and that, that kind of also goes back to the clutch discussion we were having, like Bird, yeah, I would, I would rather have Bird there than nearly anybody in history. But if you, I want someone for, who during his, during his peak can play an entire season and run through the playoffs and fit with practically any lineup. They're they're very similar, but I would I would still edge it to LeBron. Right, here's the thing. Whenever people compare, they also do that thing where they are imagining a a, a hypothetical 1v1 that is yeah. not actually basketball. Basketball is a 5v5 game, right? So if it was a 1v1 game, right, look, there's a world where there's some games like, like Harry Bird would just shoot and score all the baskets. But obviously LeBron could just back him down all day long. He's like one and a half times bigger. But I'll just say this. The thing people don't get about Larry Bird is he wasn't like super athletic, but there's a reason people couldn't stop him. Like not only is shooting, but you can't even just like you can't even just steal the ball from him. Like he's he's so fucking hard to play against. And then the other thing, I've got a couple more knocks on LeBron. I'll bring out since you're going DP yourself. You know that 2015 finals where he had no help because Kyrie's injured, and then fucking like injured. essentially it was just him and then like nobody. People forget yeah, that one. Him and Deladov. Here's why I actually Lopez hits this, but I don't give a fuck. Here's why he wasn't the MVP of that because he had a He had to take all the shots. And he shot like shit, mate. He shot like shit. 
And Andre Iguodala was already getting older then. He well, that wasn't even prior. Andre Iguodala used to be a very athletic player. That was already towards the end. Look, it shouldn't have been him. It actually probably should have been Steph Curry, even though he, yeah. even though he didn't play that well. I don't care. Like, LeBron had essentially a terrible finals. He just shot a million times and he's going to the basket. He's just missing. Because, again, I do think he just has, like, it's pressure moments. He doesn't. He shies away from them. He doesn't always want it. And that is a problem for me. Then I'll also throw this in there. Let me think how to say it. When he did win the rings with Miami, the most legit of the wins, rings easily, because the first one was like that, um, the the last one was the bubble one, which I do think semi-bullshit. I don't really care about that. You can have half a ring for that. I want that. I'll give you half a ring. Also, when people did like a strength of schedule that you played, it was the lowest in history, literally. Like you played the weakest teams ever. I mean, remember, he's like Jokic now. He played like a bomb-ass Miami team in the finals. Like, how were they mm. even there? Well, they're there because like you say, everyone's playing an empty gym. And so it's not real basketball. It's not playoff basketball. There's not the same pressure. So then when I go to the ones he won with the Heat, right, here's the problem. Dwayne Wade was really good for the first couple of those years. Maybe on the last one, he'd start to have his injuries and he wasn't quite as good. He was a real 1B option with LeBron there. It was 1A, 1B in those first years. That's already like, why isn't why aren't people invoking the Kobe Shaq thing? Why is that allowed? Why is everyone just letting him have his ring and he gets a full ring for that? No one else in history gets a... Kevin Durant doesn't get full rings because he played with Curry and Clay Thompson. You know what I mean? And then... When Chris Bosch, who was the third best player, bro, he's a, when it, before he got injured, he was a very good third player. He's going to be one of the best third players to win a ring ever. He was another, like, he's like a, like a fucking, like, 19 and 10 guaranteed player as your third option. Like, and he's like a, playing, like, power forward. Like, he, by the way, notice that this is what people don't know about making basketball teams. The reason why it's genius to put Dennis Rodman with Michael Jordan is this. Michael Jordan already is amazing and efficient, and then Dennis Rodman's going to get his misses and pass them back to him. That's yeah. what Chris Bosch can do for you. He can get your miss and either score himself or give it back to you. And you can just have another crack. So now even your inefficient games, you could win. That's a pretty fucking good roster construction. Pat Riley's a fucking genius, mate. I think that guy's a G. So that one, I agree. I think some of his other moves were terrible. Like I said it earlier, so I'll just say it again. The, the notion is that like Magic Johnson, LeBron makes everyone around him better. I don't think he does, mate. I think they get worse. Like Kevin Love became just a shooter when he played with LeBron. This guy had, like, fucking all sorts of a fucking bag for a forward. Like, this is a guy where you could have, if you would have really empowered him and you did Jokic-type passes, you could get him a lot. He could have been a really good star player. I thought he just got worse and worse and worse when he played with LeBron. Because I think LeBron also has, I mean, he also came from a background where he had a bunch of shit players around him. I think he has a, a vision of how to use them. It's, like, very reductive. And these Laker teams, I think, are criminal. Because everyone focuses on Anthony Davis. How about all the others? How about when he had Russell Westbrook? Dude, he, he ruined Russell Westbrook's career. Not Russell Westbrook. He was still a good player. Fucking Carmelo. That was whack. Like, these players he's playing with, this just sucks. Like, that angle is overplayed. That's why I just view him as an individual player. He is a very good individual player. I'll yeah, put I'll him make, top two on my list for fuck's sake. I'll make, I'll make uh, one, like, modern reference where the way that LeBron plays the point to me actually reads a lot like when John Wall plays the point, where it's kind of okay. like John Wall kind of, like, goes for his move at the beginning of, of a lot of these, like, half-court possessions. And then when it doesn't work, he just dishes to the corner. Like, that's, it's just kind of like a bailout option. I'd say LeBron has better court vision than John Wall does, but it oftentimes does amount to that, where LeBron's going to try to do something for the first nine seconds, maybe, maybe pass the ball a little bit, and... And like the way that LeBron runs an offense sometimes is just kind of like he just has all these safety valves and he treats everybody else on the team as a safety valve. Unless he like 
truly puts faith into them like he did with Wade for some of his run. Uh, it, it just feels like they're all role, they all become role players. And that's what, when I watch John Wall too, that's kind of what Beal was relegated to, where he kind of just had to stand around. And then once we saw that John Wall got injured, it's like, oh my God, what Beal has all this game, like all yep. of a sudden, it's like the same thing with yeah, a lot of the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, because he's so ball dominant as a forward, by the way, where he's probably not even supposed to be doing yes. that. But then it's just that that's why also with a lot of these LeBron conversations, like Le GM, Le Coach, it's like they basically all have to just tailor themselves to the way that he wants to play. And I mean, they, he has achieved ultimate greatness. He has, he has won championships playing like that. I think the 2016 one, the 2016 championship for me for LeBron is where I do just vault him over Bird, where I th I felt like what he was doing in that series was God's work. And that, like, it was even, it was more impressive to me than even his uh, 2013 victory over the Spurs, which was he, where LeBron was the one getting bailed out and some of that. And whereas with, um, the 2016 one, it felt like that was by sheer force of LeBron's will that he was able to actually sure. come back from the biggest deficit victory in finals history. I'll give you one last name that I would put in the honorable mentions, but there's reasons you can knock him off. It's actually the player Rick Barry who played for the Warriors once upon a time. Oh, I, I love, I love, yeah, yeah. Rick, Rick Barry, yeah, Rick Barry. Okay, well, you, you, okay, well, what I wanted to say, I was, I was, I was thinking about Barry on this too. It's just that, like, Barry, Barry, obviously. Uh, sabotaged his own career yep. because he went to the ABA just for, for money, like, as far as I know. No, they got the he got paid the same amount. Oh, he got paid. Okay. He, he they just actually said, just a weird the guy. Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors would have matched his salary uh, when he went to the ABA, and he still did it. The reason he did it is because his father-in-law was coaching the team in the ABA, right. so he just joined because of that. And uh, like we we've talked about like or we haven't talked about this, but like we everybody knows that like MJ Kobe they can be these assholes. They can yeah. you know really push their teammates a lot and really drive them up a hill and and or up a wall. And uh, Barry was no exception to that. Where there was this quote from somebody that was Barry's teammate one time that's like, if if Barry were in the UN. Uh, there would be a World War Three instantly. Like <laughs> we're just okay. just that he was he was so undiplomatic with his approach and how he treated his teammates that he even blamed his teammates um, for like missing a pass one time in the finals. Even though Barry himself just didn't have the best the best overall finals. It was I think in the it was like when he won was like seventy three for the championship for the Warriors or so, something like 75. that. And in the seventy five and I think seventy six they made the finals again <laughs> but they lost. And that was, be and then Barry blamed his, uh, like Clifford, Clifford something or other. Okay. He blamed him, uh, just because he missed one pass on, on, I think it was a give and go play, uh, fitting for the show's title. But, uh, yeah, he just blamed him because he like, kind of like stone handed one, one hand, one play. And, uh, I, I think Barry, Barry could have been up there, but it's just that taking himself out of the conversation to play with or to play under his father-in-law and, not show that he could have maybe ran it back and won the Warriors more titles. What I mean, like, what what are you doing? Like, you can't. I mean, it's it's really hard to take that seriously. It's like if you just, it's not even like a, a Jordan sabbatical. It was actually more just like, okay, you actually are just. I, I, maybe he didn't have the foresight to recognize where the NBA 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 ABA merger was going to come in or anything like that, or which league was going to succeed. But that's again, like, we're criticizing players for their own self GMing and and Barry is probably the worst case of that ever. Because this is a player to me, again, I haven't watched as much. It's a 70s player, but I watched some. 
This is a player who is an amazing shooter. He's unbelievable. Like one that, by the way, might be the best free shot shooter ever. There's a reason why he pioneered that underarm thing. Because it actually yep, yep. turns out that's the most. He already was good anyway, but he just proved that like that's the best method. The granny shot, as they call it. And the joke is, really, modern day players should do that. Some of them yes, aren't good. That yes. would literally improve them. They're too egotistical. So this is a guy where shooting was unbelievable, and he was a mega star. He's also like six seven, really fast apparently. Like everyone says, mega athletic. But as you say, like so. Here's the thing: if you just took like his best years in game and you watch the eye test it's going to be amazing like he'd instantly put him on this list the problem is like you say the actual number of years isn't that many unfortunately and he wasted a lot of the prime by playing in the ABA which is stupid because no one really counts that as much or cares no one even knows about the ABA but anyway basically it's only him and Dr. J anyone even remembers played in the motherfucker so he just ruined it for himself so yeah there we go right what about power forward power forward um, my number one is is Duncan, but Duncan kind of slotted both at the um, center and power, power forward and center and center position. I for my my personal list, I kind of I like Garnett a lot actually. Uh, just just because he's more like purely played that position, but I'll just stick with Duncan because I, I'm not going to put Duncan in the center conversation. That's that's why I'm okay. not going to like if I have to put him into one spot, uh, I'll give it to yeah, Duncan yeah. Uh, be, because. I'm not even going to go with longevity. I would just say like he's kind of in that realm of you're you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself a bucket when you feed him the ball in the low post. And that was kind of like we think of Kareem, we think you know, like we think of all these people with these signature moves and everything like that. I mean, Duncan's just little, you know, half turnaround bank shot is 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 money and and it wasn't sexy necessarily uh good system player beyond that incredible incredible defender when he was in his prime i would say like when he was falling off around like uh what 13 or something like that 2013 uh he wasn't able to get it done on that on that side of the floor but he was the reason that like that david robinson had to recognize that like david robinson to me read like like a Dwight Howard type person, like incredible skill, very well liked, public facing. But then Dunk Duncan came in and said, basically, like with just just the fact that he was more focused, said, "Get your ass into gear. We're gonna start winning titles." And so Duncan lit that fire under Robinson. He led it. Uh, he led the Spurs to as many as many chips as he did. And I, I'd say that it's. I'm actually, I'd be curious who you have as like also in this power forward one because I feel like it's one of the slimmer ones out there. Yeah. Um, like Carl Malone. Carl Malone would would have to would be up there. Um, like. Should I give you my five names? You can do, you can see what you want on them. Yeah, sure. So my five sure. names are Charles Barkley, Carl okay, Malone, yeah. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. And then I'd put Bob Pettit because he's an old school player who was like once the best player in the NBA from this position. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So, so I think I think unpacking the Garnett one is really good too because he was a best player bad team issue for a long time with the Timberwolves. Uh, still, uh, technically, was... um, technically Dirk Nowitzki could be put here too, but I, I don't think anyone's going to have him as the winner. It's up to you because he's like a shooting power forward, basically. You know, I'd say he was kind of like one of the prototypical uh, stretch bigs. Yeah. So oh, he's mega. It's just if you want six names, there you go. So do what you want with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm 
No, I mean, I would probably... Well, I guess I would put him over Pettit because I don't. I just simply don't know as much about yeah, Bob sure. Pettit. Uh, but I, I, like, I like Garnett for a lot of reasons. Just because, like, the peak of Garnett was so much more visceral than, than Duncan, where it's just the ability to take over the game on both ends of the floor and become a captain and a driving force for... Uh, a win felt so much more dominant versus Tim Duncan where like Tim Duncan just played so much more within the flow of the game whereas Garnett would make sure that his presence was was felt I would say that the one thing with with Garnett that does hurt his case versus Duncan is that on like he wasn't ever best player best team it was Pierce that was better than than Garnett at least in terms of uh finals MVP there so that's that's a bit of a knock for me. Um, whereas Duncan was best player, best team multiple times, and the the fact that Garnett really he was so good when he was playing for the Timberwolves, and it was kind of like more the tail end of his powers where he joined the Celtics, where he could be he could have been the best player on the best team, but it was more so it was more so Pierce, and it was more so the fact that he was joining a big three with Allen also that that vaulted him to that level and yeah like i i would say those are really my two there bark barkley kind of lived in the shadow of jordan in a way where i think if you actually put barkley on in for some of these guys for for garnett for for duncan it's just a completely different outlook of the team so it's hard to slot them one for one even though they play the same position because just had totally different games whereas like duncan's just going to be sitting on the low block he's just going to try to find find some space he's going to set some better screens he's going to play better team basketball and i think actually at the end of the day that's actually actually i might go back on the like the garnett garnett duncan thing is a discussion for me for for barkley i wouldn't I, he's like a third. He's just third for me. Whereas, whereas Garnett and Duncan are one A, one B. Probably from watching more of their stuff, but also just the the way that they were able, to, like Duncan's able to affect and Garnett for that matter, able to affect the game so much more on both ends of the floor to me than what Barkley did. Right. Here's the thing. I'll go through the other ones quickly. The Bob Pett one I just put there because he was the best player in the NBA at one point in time before Wilt Chamberlain came. Basically, he was the MVP. He's like he's actually one of the few people to ever beat the Celtics of the Bill Russell, etc. He was an amazing player. He was like a really good jump shot for an era where people aren't as good shooting. Just the prototypical power forward who could be a star. Because obviously, this is another discussion about power forward. The reason why the Tim Duncan part ruins the discussion not fairly it's unfairly it's because people just look at the rings and go right he wins hands down power forward by definition is not the position you would ever pick to have your best player from you do it because these players are so preternaturally good they warp basketball and as you said if we're being honest the last like 10 12 years of his career he was playing center was tim duncan he wasn't really playing because because that centers didn't exist it was just Shaq. That was it. He was the last of the center, last of the Mohicans. The rest of them were just defensive players who guard the rim, or they were just really tall power forwards who played center because that way you can have another guy at power forward. You know what I mean? Like it did, that didn't count. Like in that analogy, by the way, when Bynum was out, Pau Gasol was the center of the Lakers in that scenario. But would anyone think he was a great center? No, he was a power forward, obviously. So on this list, like Petit, I can move off immediately. Like I said, Nowitzki, look, he had a very good career and was a very good shooter. But I also thought it's actually criminal that he didn't work on his like fucking post game more. 
bro, look at your body. Dirk Nowitzki could have been in this convoy. It should have been Dirk Nowitzki, Garnett, and Duncan in that era. Like, because by the way, they also, Duncan and fucking Nowitzki have gone back to back in loads of great playoff series, etc. But he never developed the fucking low post game. And also defensively, he's just nowhere near these players. So I'll remove those two. I'm down to four now. Then I'm with you, actually. I also think Kevin Garnett is mad underrated. That's how I can tell people never saw him play, especially when he's with the Timberwolves. Mate, he's fucking sick. That team was whack. They only had like one or two years where they had any good players around him. He's just amazing. And what people won't know is this. It's funny that Tim Duncan's the one they're going to say is the great shooter because he did the off the glass move, which is a rare move to do in the modern day. Kevin Garnett's like... 14-foot jump shot is money. What's mad is it looks like a frozen rope. It doesn't have a great arc, but he's really good at shooting from there in his prime. And then, as you said, I actually think he's better defensively than Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan protects the rim and he helps defences. Kevin Garnett is a one-on-one monster defensively. Yeah. He was really... That's essentially what his game was. It was like, I can score a bunch as much as you want sort of on board, but I'm also going to just shut them down. He's a two-way player. And so, I've, yeah, I agree. When he got to the Celtics, that was the back half of his career and he was starting to get injured. That wasn't the time for him. The actual best period was when he was with the Timberwolves. It was amazing. That's why one of the moves that never happened is when he went to the Celtics, supposedly, the other move was he went to the Lakers and played with Kobe. That's the fucking pairing I wish I'd seen, mate. Holy shit, would that have been fun? That's way better than if Pau Gasol joins, for fuck's sake. Pau Gasol was like an all-star level player who just got elevated because he played with somebody who drove him with like, and they're winning championships. So Garnett is underrated, but he's not going to be my pick. Then I'll go with Barkley, who I'm not going to pick, but people might know is my favourite in this position. And the reason why is, one, people don't know because they only know the Suns in later era. So they remember later when he was injured and sometimes he was a little bit overweight, right? And he wouldn't put his... End. When he was younger and he was in shape, by the way, he could do coast to coast. He could go the whole... He was really fast. He's really fucking strong for a small player. He's undersized. The people don't know. I'll check his height now. Charles Barkley is listed as 6'6". And people say he's more like 6'4". He is a power forward and he was the best rebounder in the NBA when he played. 6-4. And he could run the floor. He can pass. Mad underrated passer. And actually, this is what people don't know. His biggest knocks are injury and then that he would keep shooting threes late in his career. He's one of the worst three-point shooters ever for someone who shot in volume. And why that is criminal is this. He is one of the best two-point players to ever play basketball. Are you ready? As a 6-4 player, there were five straight seasons he led the NBA in two-point percentage. He was shooting 64%, 63%, 63%, 63%, 61%. That is 1987-1991. Problem is, he's on the Sixers, and at the beginning, they're at the tail end of their really good players, Julius Irving, etc. And then in the middle period, they have whack teams. They're going out in the second round of the players. Not because of him, by the way. He's unreal. In fact, I'd say shoot more. He's that, that sort of a player. Where, like, in these years, he never... By the way, his entire career, he never took 20 shots a game. Ever. Even when he was later on the Suns. Then when he was on the Suns, he was like an all-round player. He's, he's just a fucking beast player. I don't think people know how unbeatable he is. And then I'll say this. You know the finals he lost to Michael Jordan? That's because Michael Jordan averaged 35 points in a fucking final series or something. They had a game where he scored 55. Charles Barkley in that finals. Are you ready for the stats? He did something like... I'll, double, I'll just pull it up quickly because it's insane. Like, basically, his normal, his numbers in a losing effort, Maui, would be MVP for any other finals ever. Like, I'll quickly look it up now. I've got it here. So, in this final that he lost to Jordan, where everyone says he wasn't good enough, right? He scored 27.3 points a game, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.2 steals, half a block, on 47% shooting. 
right? Bruh, like that's just finals MVP. The problem is yeah. he was playing Michael yeah, Jordan years. and this was Michael Jordan's most dominant individual finals. Like no one could fuck with it. So like that's in, that's insane, mate. That's 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 already monster numbers. So he's another person that had bad luck with his where he went in his careers. What mad underrated. His problem as well is like I say, later he got fat and he got injured. But he had a solid. I'm talking like ten years. That's why I said on Twitter, if you go from like 1986 to like 1996, I, I think he's the second best player in the NBA after Michael Jordan. Like obviously before that, like I had Larry Bird and he was overlapping into. But that's it's like my Barkley's insane. Then I've got two names left. Carl Malone, I've got Tim Duncan. It's Thorin Bro. Of course, Carl Malone's my power forward. What the fuck? Because here's the problem. Here's the real problem. I'm so sick and tired of this in team sports. So you know why the Glaive conversation? Notice you're all coming to my side slowly. You're all eventually going to, at a minimum, say, yes, Thorin. It is a 1A, 1B between Glaive and Carrigan. And if I still pick Glaive, I just pick Glaive as my 1A. That's what you're all going to say at the end. But you all started a year and a half ago at, it's not even close. Like, you're just making a devil's advocate argument. But the reason you're all going to come over is because as the teams change and the players change, you're all seeing the factors that made it so that one had certain things the other didn't. So now you all realize, wait a minute, maybe that Zonic guy did do something. That was never brought up in the Carrigan versus fucking Glaive argument. Then there's the whole thing of like, well, wait a minute. Didn't Glaive also have almost the best player or some of the best players at every position around him? And then you can add in, didn't he actually? A controversial take. Sometimes he even played in areas where the other teams were quite flawed. Like he played a lot of the Carrigan less phase, the one where they lost Carrigan and kicked him out, so suddenly Nico's neutralised. He's playing simple when simple as Edward and Flamey and Zeus all at the same time. So I'll do the same thing with Duncan because I'm going to get Tim Malone last to make it spicy. So this is the Tim Duncan one. Are you ready? You've never heard anyone downplay Tim Duncan because you've all overplayed him. So first of all, he has five rings, right? Nah, he has four rings. Here's why. That last ring, he's not even vaguely the best fucking star player. That was when Kawhi went ham for fuck's yeah, yeah. sake. Kawhi took care of LeBron and scored and fragged out. So he doesn't have five rings if we're talking about one-for-one one players. Then secondly, the reason why his rings are slightly overrated, by the way, the last 10 years of his career in the playoffs, he averages less than 20 points. Guys, which is it? Are these the best players ever at their position or not? So that's a bunch of the longevities. It's not fraudulent, but it's not as good as you think. Then secondly, what I was bringing up with the Zonic point is this. I even think Michael Jordan gets over it because of Phil Jackson. Bro, he played for a top three coach to ever coach the NBA. Greg Popovich, the reason I know he is a genius is because Tim Duncan and David Robinson are the only transcendently great players he ever had. Tim, Tony Parker ain't that guy, mate. He was a very good European player. Manny Ginobili is mega in the way Greg Popovich used him. That's true. These players on their own aren't hard-carry superstar players. They maybe had one or two years where they were close to that level. What made the, 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 the Spurs amazing, and no, you can't say it's because Duncan was consistent and he just had a good game. That doesn't make the rest of the players get coached amazingly. Greg Popovich, every two or three years, Maui, you know the rings are with different casts. He has different other players around him. Tim Duncan didn't do that. Yeah. Greg Popovich is so insane. He essentially was like, the, he's like Bill Balakit. He was sort of like, because he knew the GM and had an amazing relationship. It was essentially like he was the GM as well. He would just bring in European players that played a certain style. He would put role players around you that are unbelievable, by the way. He consistently had the best defensive teams. This is like Bill Belichick. 
By the way, Duncan is not the God defender. He's a good defender. He's given you everything you'd want, like Tom Brady had, to have the best chance to win. You're getting the best possible chance of defense. All the role players around you cheat. Players that no one else wants that you bring in that do a good job for you. And they go elsewhere. They do nothing. They weren't actually that good. So the problem with Tim Duncan I have is, is he wasn't dominant enough for me. He was actually a very good player. But the thing is, you have to have the whole team and Tim Duncan, then you can do it. He isn't the guy who could have played on a flawed team and won the championship. I don't think he would have done it, mate. And also, he's certainly not bad in this sense, but he's not like a mega clutch player. I've seen some big finals games where he was just aight. He was just aight. He just had some that were good. Now, at his peak, if you go to like 2003... That was fucking one of the most bonkers finals ever. Yeah, he was like, it was essentially that like he was doing, I think he did, had almost a quadruple double in a game or something. Like, yeah, that was when he was absolutely cracked out. His peak was very, very good. But this is why I'm going to break everyone's heart when I pick Karl Malone. Because I don't, rings don't matter in that sense to me. Right, first of all, if you ever look, Jerry Sloan, the coach Karl Malone's entire career, and John Stockton, right, the point guard. These are the, the three people played together their whole careers. Here's the problem. Jerry Sloan offense, this flex offense, if you look over the history of when they played together, always does worse in the playoffs. Not because of Carl Malone, mate. Carl Malone's putting 30 points up all the time, playoffs. The offense just falls apart a bit. And quite frankly, John Stockton is an amazing passer, but he actually could sometimes have some really whack playoff games. And he had some that were just bomb-ass games. Carl Malone, I'm not joking, is a guy who's just, an, he's just a bucket. He's a bucket and a half, mate. Every game. Now, he has some, like, big games. He had some that he, like, failed. He had some where he's just great, though, mate. He has some series and elimination games where he does just do, like, 30 and 10 and loses, even though it's, like, 48% shooting. And people don't know. Because you see his body, you're going to think it's like LeBron. He goes to the basket all the time. No. He does that on the pick and roll. Dude, he's a mid-range shooter. His mid-range shooting is incredible. I'm telling you, if you go watch some Carmelo highlights, they are, it's, you'll, be, you'll be amazed at a guy this big who looks like a bodybuilder. It's literally that shit of like, it looks like people like Kobe. He's got like one leg kicked out and he's doing like a fading two-point shot and he's just making them. And the arc on it is sick. They're just going in over and over. It's so good. He is such a skilled player. And by the way, if you like longevity, you better not talk to me on this one, mate. You better not talk to me. This guy did 20 years. 20 straight years. Go look how many all NBA team this guy made, by the way. It'll blow your mind. It'll actually blow your mind. Way before he was ever in the finals. He's, he's all NBA first team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From like 89 or something onwards, mate. He didn't make the finals till 97. This guy is seriously. I actually think his mistake was this. It's what everyone tells you to do. They tell you to be Damian Lillard and stay in one place. Don't be a bitch. Don't leave. If this guy just left and went to a better team. I've heard there was like a rumor he could have gone to the Lakers at one point in time. Mate, he would have won rings, I'm telling you. He's just a guy, I think he's one of the most underrated players ever. There's a reason, by the way, that he is the third highest leading scorer after LeBron got to number one, ever, in the NBA. Because this is there's no one in the NBA ever, basically, aside from him and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, now LeBron, who can just guarantee you 20 points a season and just did it. Remember, we all think Michael Jordan would have if he never retired at all, but would have doesn't matter. If you go on a longevity, did you do it? So I think he's actually mad underrated. I know there's going to be loads of knocks against him, people are going to hate, but... This is why I'm picking. I'm taking Karl Malone. Y'all can't handle it. It's all right. It's all right. I'm battle tested. It's, it's good. Yeah, I think the the ability to score for more range and like I, I'd say offensive offensive dominance. Malone definitely has Duncan covered there. I would say that Duncan's peak as a defender would would make me still want to choose him on 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 my power forward side. I think like. Couple things Duncan has for him, uh, for 
uh, just for for defense is that in that in that finals that that 2003 one where he was just at the peak of his powers, like he set the he set the single series, which still holds up to this day, if I'm not mistaken, uh, block record where he had like five blo over five blocks a sure. game. Like he like he'll just erase everything, and so I think that to me, like Malone 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 is a I'd just say yeah, Malone's a better offensive player than than Duncan was. I would say as a whole, a composite teammate or comprehensive teammate and doing it all on both sides, I would still take Duncan over Malone though. So that's probably like, that's a, you have a really good argument though. Like I, like Malone is, I would say very, very frequently. He's not, he's not he's even not allowed like, in any of these convos, mate. They just kick him straight out. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's yeah, never in these convos. Pretty easily a top, top, 12 top 15 player of all time i think so yeah and, and he's like yeah he's pretty consistently missed so yeah glad you brought him up there yeah, and like i say one. no one ever acknowledges that greg popovich point greg popovich yeah. built insane teams around tim duncan just for like what 20 years 15 years or something. here's a stat for you i just looked it up now all nba first team selections tim duncan 10 carl malone 11 and carl malone played one season less yeah. No one knows that one, do they? By the way, if you think 10's not many, and Carmel had 11, there's only one player with more, and that's LeBron James has 13. That's it. And he played mm -hmm. 20 years. So, like, I don't think people know that. This is actually a mega underrated player. Like, essentially, that means that his peer group and the journalists all say every year he's the best at his position. Every year. Yeah. Like, he can have a rival, Barkley can be his rival. Then later, like, you know, fucking Garnett or someone comes in the league. I can't remember who else it would be at the time, because technically, you have to count Elijah Wan as a centre. He did really play like that, but... The unbelievably good player. And like I say, they'll never acknowledge the, the Tim Duncan part because no one actually looks at coaching staff and system. They don't look at that. They don't look at that angle, mate. Yeah. They don't okay. do it in quarterbacks. They don't do it with star players. That's why I say, even for the Jordan one, forget the rings. Like if he doesn't have Phil Jackson in the triangle offense, you know why he doesn't win as many rings? Because he'd have to do even more. And he already did the max. Like the genius I've always said is this. This is why I, tr I tried to explain this to simple ones. What Phil Jackson had to tell Michael Jordan, because Michael Jordan said to him, I don't want to play the triangle offense. I'll actually score less. And he was like, yeah, but that doesn't matter because one, you can break the triangle offense anytime you want. If you need to like get a bucket at the end of the game, break it, do what you want. But the triangle offense will explain to the teammates the system of how to play with you. That They'll know where to stand so they can receive a pass in the second quarter and make an open shot. The genius of systems and great coaches is they elevate the role players. That's the crazy thing. You know, when everyone looks at the Michael Jordan teams, the biggest thing that their nephews who never watched him play used to say he has to be the GOAT is you look how whack all the other players are. Like, none of these are all NBA except Scottie Pippen, right? You look at some of the other ones, it's like they're just role players. That's because Phil Jackson makes, like, role players who are just whatever, like, way more valuable in the team. Just, I think I think Greg Popovich did the same thing. Like I said, the amount of, like, Euros... Some of those players, you can't even remember the names of them. They were just from like every country in Europe or Africa and he would just bring them in and they actually would, like he would just find a role that worked just for them and they just did that one thing well. So there you go. Right, let's do the last one, centers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's so deep. This one's so, so deep. Um, probably one, if people don't know, even though in the modern day it's not a thing, it's probably one of the best positions in the history of basketball. Like basketball originally was center position. Like, you know, it's just the game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and what's what's fun about it is that like even though there was a dearth of centers for the last ten years, we're starting to get a little bit of a resurgence in the position. Because um, like for me, I think my I, I'll do I'll do six I'll do I'll do 
Yeah, I'll do six six centers that I think uh, have a real strong shout at this. I'm actually going to put Jokic. I put Jokic right there uh, as number six right now. And I would put beyond that, the other obvious five to me are Shaq, Wilt, Russell, uh, Hakeem, and... Kareem. Kareem. And Ke yeah, Kareem. Kareem. Yeah. So, so of those six, I would say that the one that I actually like to pick the most... Uh, my favorite easily is is Hakeem Hakeem Olajuwon. I th I would say that what Hakeem did, where he went through those um, ninety five playoffs and defeated decidedly uh, David Robinson, who is the reigning MVP, um, after basically on a grudge on a like a revenge tour where Hakeem thought he was supposed to win that that season's MVP and dis dismantled him. This made Robinson look bad, actually. Look, made him look like Robinson still had an okay series, but he had an okay series when he wasn't being covered by Hakeem. And then he was able to defeat Ewing. Uh, he was able to defeat uh, Shaq. Like, I, I feel like there was also another thing that went so well with Hakeem and when we're kind of talking about supporting cast, like, who who's helping Hakeem throughout so many things? Are you talking about, like, Kenny the Jet Smith? Like, he had Clyde Drexler in his second yep. season that he won a championship. One, yeah. But, yeah, but in the first season, he didn't he didn't really have anybody yep. uh, of note, like, um, Sam Sam Castle, I guess, like, Cassell. You can like, ironically like, say those are two of, like, his two championship teams are two of the worst teams to win the championship. Yeah, exactly. And so by by virtue of him just kind of being like in that win above replacement category or like wins above replacement, like there's not really anybody you could have put there because he showed that any other center that was in the league at the time was was inferior to him. He did it with force. He showed like he he took down so many big names in that two year stretch and showed that he was the most dominant center. And in a lot of ways, it means that. Well, one, he was the best player in the league for those two years straight. And yes, these were the Jordan sabbatical years. Well, one of them technically wasn't a sabbatical year. It's just that Jordan was coming back from retirement or that brief retirement. And then he lost to Orlando uh, going through the Eastern Conference playoffs. So for me, Hakeem's, Hakeem is actually my favorite just because I would want to actually consider wilt and russell but it's just that that wasn't the modern nba we have today like pre-shot clock era stuff i it's harder for me to regard that as highly and so even though you would say i would say wilt's dominance like the three people with like the most dominance at center for me were shaq in 99 to 2000 uh wilt wilt for like the majority of his career and um and then i would say hakeem uh so that's that's where i'd go with this one and um I'd say there's like an ar argument also for Shaq in like later years because he kind of was finding himself still when he played against Hakeem in in those finals when he was still on the Magic. Obviously, he wasn't at the at, like in his Lakers like 2000 self. So it's it's not like it's a knock on Shaq necessarily, but I would say like just just things for the eye test with Hakeem. Best footwork of any center uh, ever. I would I don't think that's I, I I don't even think that's up for debate. I I, I just think flat out he had the he he is the reason that Kobe became the player that he was. He's the reason that Embiid is becoming the player that he is becoming. Uh, everybody that's looking for prime footwork is looking back at <laughs> basically old Hakeem demos just to see what he was doing in the post because the way that Hakeem came into the space was so ridiculous that what he didn't even really know basketball until he was fourteen. He just grew to some abnormally large height for being someone from Nigeria. I think like, they even the, said didn't they, that the reason he has the footwork is because he was a football player. I think he yes, played soccer. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. The fact that he was playing soccer from such a young age and it was just that someone found him, someone someone was like, oh, wait, why don't you play basketball? And then and then he just converted so seamlessly into it. And uh, in terms of like, I would say like storied career of like never really have like career decisions and everything like that, like there's no way you can have a knock on this guy either where we took that we took some points away or at least I took some points away from people like Durant for just having bad self GMing. He just stayed with the same team. He almost stayed with the same city forever. The fact that he was uh, playing with um university was it university of houston either way a yes. team in texas yeah university of houston and then he just goes to the houston rockets like he became become such a storied figure and one of the most important people for that city's history so that like the cultural effect beyond what he was accomplishing on the on the court is another reason that it it to me elevates him and i know like I, I treat my criteria a little bit differently than yours, where it's like cultural relevance to me also like kind of speaks a little bit to how great they were. Um, you just in in the zeitgeist of society. And to me, that's another reason why Hakeem, the dream is my number one center all time in terms of I like watching him more than any other center ever uh, defensively. Didn't even talk about that. He was just erasing people. Um, but it's just that. Because because in the league that was dominated by Jordan, he had that brief window that he was able to show everybody he was the second best player, that that first pick that the Rockets made actually did lead to championships when it felt like Jordan was just going to be that guy after a few a handful of years. Um, to me, I f feel like uh, the Rockets were vindicated for that decision. And I'd say that, yeah, Hakeem is my, my numero uno. Right, I'll do it like I did the other ones. I'll eliminate the ones that I can quickly get out of there, and then we'll get to the down to the meat. Because spoiler, like as you can see from earlier when I put the goat people, if I had Wilton Kareem as my only goats out of this list, they have to be my top two, obviously. So what I'm going to do is I'll do this. I'll put Bill Russell on there for the championships, but the problem is this: as far as I can tell, didn't watch him play. Obviously, it was amazing as a defensive player. Apparently, like supposedly he really was a guy just locking it down, insane blocks. So they didn't even count them back then to the same degree. The problem is this. They used to give him, no joke, the MVP in a bunch of these seasons just because his team was the best and then he was amazing defensively, right? No one gives MVP like that now. Oh, yeah. In the modern day, it's an offensive award. You have Defensive Player of the Year for that now. So back then, some of those are semi-fraudulent. Like he wins basically in the season when Wilt Chamberlain scores 50 points a game and 25 rebounds. Like that can't happen. I'm sorry. Like, which is it? Is it, is it an individual award or not? If it's a team award, then make it a team award. So Russell, I do think was slightly overrated in that sense. But I also will say the more I look into it, I was maybe downplaying it because his thing is not like an amazing offensive player. There's loads of playoff runs in championships. He has, by the way, where two or three people average more points than him. You can look it up. Yeah. But if you are insane defensively, you are going to also contribute to win the championship. For his defense also to just add on to that, he was like looking back a lot of his highlights for defense. He was actually like not, he was blocking it with a pass. Like he was basically touch passing as a block shot so that he could start a fast break from a block. So that was a skill set that I uh, like not, that really hasn't been replicated. But it is swear, uh, as far as, as I know, he is actually one of the centers on what you're talking about who used to actually get mad that NBA players for ego go, get that shit out of here and hit it out the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. take it down with you, mate, and go off it. Because he also had enormous hands, by the way, really fast as well. So he's good in the open, he's good on the like fast break. By the way, if we're talking about having great teams, he has a lot of players that won a lot of rings with him and were like all NBA. He's some very good teammates. Not, it's somewhere, sometimes overrated, but he has some players that are mega. He has some that themselves 
themselves even when he left were winning championships. Like that's how good some of them were. So I'm taking Russell out there. Then I've got the same other four as you. I'm immediately taking Shaq off to make everyone hurt as fuck. Because here's the problem. <laughs> the way that Shaq's slightly underrated is that narrative that like he couldn't win a ring is dumb as fuck before he won with Kobe. Because like the first years he even got to the Lakers and already at the end of the magic, he's a beast, man. He's so fucking good. Like, you and look, he even, like, when he got swept by the Bulls when Jordan came back, dude, he got swept in four games, and I think he averaged, I'd have to look it up, but it was something like, you know, like 30 points, like 15 rebounds, like 60% shooting. It's like, what did he do wrong there exactly? Excuse me? Like, what? You do know those are inhuman numbers. Like, no one can do that. So he already was a monster. But like I said earlier, his problem is, look, a lot of centers have this problem, but he is also quite dodgy in free throws, Injuries, in part because, no joke, he's even said this, he clearly just likes to eat too much food. And the reason why that is terrible if you're a centre. Think of the great centres. They're actually quite lanky. They're quite thin. Hakeem, like Wilt, look, he's mega strong because he's in the gym. But even he's never fat. He's not. The reason Shaq being fat is criminal is because the reason that destroys you is the amount of strain it puts on your joints, like your knees, your feet. There's a reason he's having toe injuries, knees are aching. Of course they are, because you're just putting too much weight. And here's the problem with that. That's why in his Laker period when he won, he's unstoppable because that weight, you can't stop it. Like, everyone who's seen that, the Sixers won. I, first of all, like I said, that, they, they'd be offensive fouls all day long when Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem played. You're just beating the shit out of Dikimba Mokotumbo. There are ones where he just... <laughs> and he just moves backwards a meter. Like, bro, that's an instant offensive foul. But the reason why he had to be refereed uniquely is because every move looks like that when Shaq does it. Every spin move looks like, wait a minute, did he close line in there? Or did it, is that just part of his move? And he's just enormous. So in some ways, I can't say like, oh, but if he'd played differently, because the weight also was part of his game. And he was very light on his feet when he wasn't injured, by the way. That's part of the thing that was insane. People don't get that. He wasn't just dunking. He would dunk, but he actually had, like, fucking, like, little, like, hooks. He had, like, he'd do, like, a jab. Yep. He could do, like, a little fadeaway if people don't know. He had know. more he, touch. He had, he had more look, touch he had a really crazy for. massive hand. But he had, like, a little fadeaway he could do from, like, two, three feet. It was really good. Yeah, sometimes he would do that, and you'd be like, what a skilled player, because it's being presented, he's already like slamming it in your face and breaking the backboard. But the problem is, his longevity is fraudulent as fuck. At the end of the Lakers going on, he had like one and a half seasons for me in the heat where he was really good. I think he probably should have had that at 2005 MVP over Nash. But after that, firstly, Wade is better after that. And then secondly, Manny goes downhill because he's too heavy. He's at the latter part of his career. He obviously didn't like to practice anyway and he's working off natural talent. So the earlier parts may be underrated. The later parts are probably slightly overrated. And then the other problem is this. Do you know one reason I hate the whole he carried Kobe thing? It's because, first of all, Kobe was better in nearly all the Western Conference finals, and the Western Conference was where the Spurs exist, the other best team of the era. So really, the better games, Kobe's actually the better player in. And here's the problem. In the finals where he dominates, here's who he plays against. Rick Smith, at the end of his career when he's injured, who the fuck ever mentions Rick Smith? He's not even <laughs> in this list. Then he played against... Dikimba Mutombo, when Dikimba Mutombo is a defensive player, but like I told you, you can't defend Shaq. And then secondly, do you know a detail about Dikimba Mutombo, and I'm convinced of it, is when you come from certain African countries, they don't have hospitals like we do, Maui. You can just have like a fake birth certificate. Oh, yeah. People always speculated he was like six years older than he claimed to be. And if you see already by now, mate, he's already getting up there. Holy shit, does he look old. He's really old, bro. And I know he's <laughs> defensive player of the year, but that's not the same as being like in your prime. And then the third year, can anyone even tell me for the Nets who played center? Does anyone even know? I think it was like Jason Collins or fucking, maybe it was like Keith Van Horn. You know, 
These are not. These are the easiest fucking matchups of all time. That's probably the biggest mismatch ever: is Shaq versus the other person in the finals. Yeah. And then obviously the one he lost, he played against Bill uh, Ben Wallace, who was very good. But we don't. We'd have to talk about that one. And then the one he won against the Heat, uh, against the Mavs. That's sick as well. Who was he playing on the Mavs? And he played bad in those finals, bro. He played bad in those finals. You, his numbers will shock you if you look up the 2006 Mavs series that's just Dwayne Wade wins that one mate Dwayne Wade and I'll tell you who's underrated in it Antoine Walker actually has a pretty good series a guy who everyone thinks is a moron because he jack shots from everywhere so Shaq's career in some ways is slightly overrated because it was basically just three if I give him a couple of years from the bother it's basically like five to six years very dominant but with still flaws and the rest of it just doesn't add up in that sense. So I'm down to two names now, Wilton Hakeem. Spoiler, I'm going to pick um, um, Kareem. Oh, sorry, the street, Hakeem. I'll do Hakeem now, because basically it goes like this for Hakeem. Um, insane bag. I actually do think, yeah, probably the best footwork. By the way, forget centre. Probably top five footwork ever in the NBA. It's like actually unbelievable how skilled his game is. His problem, obviously, is yes, he just stayed with one team forever. And like we said, even his best teams weren't actually that good. Like here's the angle people don't get. The reason why Michael Jordan wouldn't necessarily have won the two years if he didn't retire is because the, the three years after was a totally different team with only Scottie Pippen. It's not the same team, so he wouldn't have had the same team as his first three-peat. So that angle means not quite. But if they'd actually been able to play with real top teams, the Bulls would have won, but not because of Kim's bad, because his, his teams weren't that good. They were. It's a miracle they won. Now, I will say, though, if the Bulls play any Bulls play against Hakeem, Hakeem's going to, like, fucking do numbers, motherfucker. Who's he playing against? What, Bill Cartwright? Luke Longley? Get the <laughs> fuck out of my face. He would tear their ass up. So he would lose if they had a good team, but he would average, like, 30 points and 15 rebounds and all the blocks he wants, and you wouldn't do shit against him. And he'd even be the one where he'd lose, and you'd be like, look, Michael Jordan's fans MVP, but fuck, it could have been this guy. You know what I mean? So the thing with him I have is, he's also an amazing two-way player, probably underrated, actually, defensively. Mega player. I think there's there's a stat that's like for blocks plus steals combined, Hakeem has over a thousand second place. Like right, sec yeah, it's it's uh, he gets as a center. Because obviously most of these players steals. don't get the steals if they get the blocks. Is the one that if you don't get it, yeah, and obviously the players who get the steals are normally the small ones who don't get the blocks. Yeah, no, that's insane. That's impossible, mate. Yeah, yeah, just for just for like, and obviously defensive numbers like steals and steals and blocks are a little bit weird because sometimes it's like how much you're affecting the shot too. But he's sure. obviously doing that as well. Yeah, like yeah. when you're watching when you watch these playoff games back, yeah, he's not blocking every David Robinson shot, but he's making him take bad shots all the time. Right, and then since I'm going to pick Kareem, I'll just do the Wilt one quick. I sort of said it okay. all earlier, but basically, I do think it is absolute peak. He might have been like the best player ever. He was just that good. Like another thing people don't know about Wilt Chamberlain is because of the offensive rules, he did not play like Shaq. He was not overwhelming people and dominating them and hurting them. Famously, he didn't hurt people. The thing about him is he actually would have, look, not mid-range because he's a center, but he would shoot fadeaways from around the basket. He would get it. He's enormously tall, enormously strong, enormously fast. And he would fade away, let's say like five to six feet and he would shoot and he was like making it half the time. And so he was a mega, probably one of the best offensive weapons ever to play. The reason I picked Kareem is this, though. It's like I said earlier, in his peak, which is actually in the 70s and then a slight bit early in the 80s, a lot of the rest of it was he was just a great player on a great team. He is so, because he has, he combines like scoring in, impossible to stop scoring, and his skill set is really amazing. Like, the real reason no one does that shot, it's not what he says. Like, they don't practice it, and everyone tries to do three. No one can do that shot like he did. He's so unique in his body type. And obviously his skill must be insane because it's all shooting. Think about it. Even though he's a center, he's actually shooting a hook shot. Other people, like Shaq had a good hook shot. 
This player's got good hook shots, but he's that's his main weapon, and it is the most unguardable move in the history of sports, by the way, probably. Like, no one can actually guard it. And you have to just look at his numbers in the 70s when they're just giving him MVP all the time, mate, and some of his teams are like, all right, but not that good. They're impossible. Like, he's someone where there's a real piece of information that goes like this. He was the best player in the NBA the year he joined the NBA. What? In college, he's one of those guys that did something like never lost. Just won yeah, every season. Yeah. Like, it's why if you did that, like, thing that they do sometimes for the Basketball Hall of Fame, you know, in the basketball, they, call, they count, like, all levels. Like, and yes. it's, it's why some people get yeah. into a college. But he has it all, mate. He has everything. He's just, it's, it's the whole career. It's only at the end with the Lakers, he's sort of a bit broken down. But guess what? He was playing till he was, like, 40 years old. So <laughs> another one where, yeah, some of the rings might not all be there, but what an, a fucking insane player. So I, if you notice, one thing I am biased towards, I love skill. I really yeah, love yeah. skill. So my problem is Wilt and Shaq are dominant in different ways, but it's not the same level of skill. I think Kareem's just, he's the complete package because his skill level, he just had the most un unbeatable center bag in that sense because the joke is he doesn't need to have all the other moves. That move alone, it's, that's it. That's all you need, mate. That's all. Go watch some highlights, mate, when he's in prime. It's bonkers. It's really bonkers. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, I think the like the 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 flare the the way that um i don't know why my camera does that i think that, it was me because I, I had to click off the page yeah go on okay so i think the, yeah with, yeah it is, yeah with 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 kareem it is it is kind of like why why uh what's the point of fixing if it if it ain't broke yeah. type type deal would, whereas yeah. whereas Hakeem has to have like like or he doesn't have to if he just developed like some unstoppable move like that he wouldn't he would just be using less but it's just the the flash and flare of Hakeem and I, I'll say that I think that uh, Hakeem was a better defender than uh yeah, than Kareem so overall but like like that's not usually how we're boiling down these arguments, but like things like longevity, Kareem wins, uh, just being the best player on the best team. Uh, Kareem, Kareem did it a couple of times. And I think what like where Kareem can't be touched in the longevity argument is that he won finals MVP 14 years apart. And he had the exact same field goal percentage in both of those finals MVPs. Like, and he basically, I think he was like within one point also of, of yeah. points per game total too on, on those. So and he's playing he, against the Celtics when he does that, by the way, one of the other all time great teams. He's not playing somebody like, you know what I said about Shaq? Bro, who's playing Shaq playing in these finals aside? I mean, even the Hakeem one's not that great a team. Like he had some very easy finals of points. Kareem's playing the greatest teams of all time. And I think he did it at like 37, did he do it at 37 or something, something? like, like that. some, some, yeah, some really like deep into his career type yep. deal. And that's, that's like where usually like with, with Hakeem versus Kareem is that Hakeem's one peak to me was so incredibly high. That's why I would take him. But the reason we listed Jordan as the goat, or at least a re big reason I did is that you can't even really pick what you one year for Jordan. Like you could you yes. could pick three. You could maybe even like his fifth best year, his sixth best year. It's like when we talk about simple with CS, it's like yes. that would be a career year Agreed. for anybody. It's just that like and, and the thing is that Kareem had that molt like fifteen years apart nearly, which is so well, unbelievable. You could really do what you just said. You could take like Kareem's seventh best season and take anyone else on this list and compare. And like look, obviously Will has some insane stats, but aside from that, anyone else that would compare to their best season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a tough fight, but I, I, it's one of those things with like eye tests and defense and affecting the game on both yeah, ends where I like where I, I do like Akeem more for his peak in that in those two years. Right, let's do this then. Obviously, just so people can keep track. What was your five? So my my all-time five were were Curry, uh, 
MJ, LeBron, Duncan, Hakeem. That's my five. Right, and mine was Curry, Bird, Jordan, Malone, and Kareem. By the way, you can't really lose with either of those two teams. They're both pretty fucking good. Yeah, Spoiler. Yeah. Right, obviously, <laughs> we'll do another one. And what we're going to do is during the summer now when there's no basketball, we'll pick a different angle. There's so many historical angles you can go with and meta things. So we'll do another one where it's sort of like this. Like we'll lay things out. We'll go on different angles. And we'll be back for the next one, basically.